other countries' intelligence communities have decided and have concluded, based off of information they have, plus this video that we showed you, that there's some sus shit going on, and that Iran is probably the ones that are doing it. I want to do my part in supporting that small business and supporting that creator yeah. because that's what I want people to do to us and I think I would be a massive hypocrite if I was not able to put my money where my mouth was yeah. and do that Welcome to the salt of the streets coming at you every week with this food for thought hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation we need some information and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics real people real problems think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan because right, that's the what, what's that? Up, oh, let's get ready. and just like a red white and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship we are back Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, June fifteenth, one fourteen p.m. Welcome back, everybody. Episode sixty-one. Oh, <laughs> I crushed you. My oh, bad. Oh, sorry. I almost forgot. That's oh. why. <laughs> See, that's like the best part about the podcast is these opening little flubs that we do probably <laughs> once every other couple weeks. So, welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on weekly news, pop culture, and sports. And the best part about the whole deal, once again, it's built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So, come on and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. That's wow. the Aminos. So, <laughs> as always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. I am Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, the U.S. Congress prepares to go to court over civil indictments. We have increased tensions in Iran, if you can believe they could get any tighter. What? And then we're going to get in some real grab baggy style stuff here because we've officially hit that point, I think, where we've gone for a few weeks and like not been able to get to certain things that we want to hit. That's what we do. We've we've got the collective and we're going to reach into that grab bag and see what comes out. Yeah. But before we all but before we do any of that, cheers, homie. Drinking this spiced habanero cider from Fin Fin River Cidery. Belching Beaver. Phantom Bride. Yeah, that's what the brewery is. It's delicious. It's. I'm excited to have it. I have never had that before. I bought it because it had some sweet-ass cans and it, it was an IPA. It is a cool fucking can. So I'm excited to drink most of the rest of that six-pack later today. That was the first thing I said was that it was a cool can. Do you uh, have any more beers with the cats on them? I think I have one left, and I'm saving it for Carolina. Okay. I think I have about one left of all of our good beers that we brought back up. And so I'm just, <laughs> just I stashed them on case, the side. Huh? That's yeah. Funny. Well, you know, come home from work every day and drink a little beer. They smoke were delicious. A little weed. <laughs> they were delicious. Oh, man. Was there, I'm trying to remember if there was anything that we wanted to talk about before we got into the real stuff. But maybe before we do that, you should plug the shit out of us. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have, we uh, can also, I mean, not also, but obviously we can be found, uh, sort of the streets of Facebook. You know, that's where our, we do our live streams and everything. That's where it originates there. We have, uh, our, Jesus Christ. I am, I'm struggling. I don't you got know. this. Yeah. I don't know. You, I don't, I don't Instagram, know. Instagram at salt the streets. You got this. Instagram, salt of the streets. <laughs> Facebook, salt of the streets. We have our own personal social medias. I am at salt of the street on Twitter and at alpaca underscore Donald on Instagram. And Colin is at big bird off on both of those things you can find all of this shit on saltofthestreets.com 
It's our own personal website that my wife built. It is fantastic. Baby, you're the best. YouTube's all the streets. Also, Boom. that's it. That's everything. Is it yeah. funny how like you have these like things you can just spit out, and every now and again you try to reach and grab them, and you just can't fucking. I find thought it. too it's hard. Like, about wait a minute. What, what, it was. Yeah. <laughs> what am I, I doing? Too hard about it. Psyched oh. myself out. I wasn't sure where you were going, so I was like, all right, I got to be prepared. And then yeah, right. you were like, what about social medias? And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, I'm it not prepared for that. Yeah, just, it, you, we got this. We got this. We're well, you here. did a great recovery, my friend. And so we're going to do something where we, we've we never done before. Oh, and we're going to do an ad read oh. for this lovely little yes. thing that you might be listening to on right now. PodCoin. Yes. It is the new app that I referenced last week um, that is fucking rad that – Colin will get, you know, although the ad read will get more into it, but you can, you can listen to podcasts through it. Podcast. Podcast. Podcast through it. And then you tr- like get coins, you know, virtual coins, if you will, uh, in exchange for the minutes that you listen. And then you take those coins and you turn them into fucking gift cards. Gift cards. Yeah. For places and beats headphones. If you listen for a million donate years. to charities, donate to charities. Yeah. Which is really pretty cool. Yeah. So you just change the app that you listen to. Um, and they did awesome stuff for us. So we're going to do an ad read for them so that uh, they can continue doing awesome stuff for us. So Boom. that is what we're going to do this week. That's going to be Colin's deal. And then I'm going to do the next one because that's what I'm doing. So Boom. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's it. So what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Sarah Sanders first or something else? That's just the mm. first thing I have written here. Yeah, let's do Sarah so, Sanders first. Okay. So, I, I am not married to any order whatsoever. Hey everyone, I really hope you're loving this week's episode of the Salt of the Streets podcast. Well, did you know that you can actually get paid for listening to this podcast right now? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a really good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android, and I have a very special promo code just for you. Simply use our code SALTPOD, that's S-A-L-T-P-O-D, SALTPOD, and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us there, you can get your next Ice Venti Caramel Macchiato, or if you're me, Grande Nitro Cold Brew, totally on us. All you gotta do is listen. So if you haven't downloaded this app, pause this podcast right now, download that thing, Insert our promo code SALTPOD, S-A-L-T-P-O-D, and get your free 300 PodCoin, courtesy of Salt of the Streets. I know it certainly changed the way I listen to podcasts, and I know it will for you too. Now, back to the show. Excuse me. Sarah Sanders, as I've often referred to as a bulldog of a woman, because I believe that she is, um, and that is not, and yeah, yeah, and that's not like she looks like a bulldog. I mean, like, she was mad aggressive and would just tear motherfuckers up. Oh, yeah. She was out there on the stand. So She was no Sean um, Spicy Wiener. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, It was announced that she was going to resign 
effective the end of the month. So she'll be here through to the end of the month. And I guess right now, I was still under the impression that she was the acting director of communications, but she's just the press secretary right now. The director of communications position has been vacant since Bill Shine left in March. I didn't even know that Bill Shine got hired there. Nope. So that's how unimportant that was. Uh, but that's why I'm like, who the fuck is Bill Shine? Like, I don't need, I never even heard of that guy before. So it's because I think Trump runs most of his own press stuff. Yes. There has not been a formal press conference since in 94 days. And that was as of the 13th. So it's 96 days since there's been a formal press briefing with her in the White House press room answering questions from reporters. 96 days. So So it's been over three months. Damn. Which is. That throws my timeline way off. I was trying to figure about this. Yeah. Because I was trying to – I had this this moment in time, and I thought it was in like April. But regardless of when it actually was, right, Sarah Sanders has been out of the public view for a long time. For a while. And I think it has to do with when she did a press conference about the Mueller report. Yes. And she was – they were talking about James Comey and why he got fired. And she exactly. was saying that. A lot. She she talked to countless members of the FBI. Yes. And that were just over the moon and happy about how Trump fired Comey and all this stuff. And and then when the Mueller report came out, uh, that is, it turns out, not what she said. And she told the Mueller report that she said that with absolutely no evidence whatsoever. And that's just personal way she felt or something like that. So long story short, she got caught hard in one of these yeah, lies that she it was, told it was in 2017 that she was saying that um like when james comey was fired obviously uh-huh. and then this article that i have here is from april 19th so that's the it same was one, i think yeah yeah um and that's when the Mueller report came out mm-hmm. and so that's obviously when the information came out that she had obviously lied about this so um <clears throat> but I don't, I don't, I don't know the date of the last press briefing. I mean, I can certain, I can look it up real quick, but, um, it's, like I said, it's been 96 days since then. Mm-hmm. So I can see real quick. But yeah, I was starting, I was kind of trying to correlate those two things together as that was the thing that made it so that she had kind of stepped back and stepped down and she hasn't come back since then. And so in my mind, I've been kind of waiting for this to happen because. Usually the lack of, at least in this administration, the lack of a press secretary like that coming out and, and doing press conferences is 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 not common, you know. No, this, not at all. This is why we've had three press sec, four, yeah three press secretaries already, right? Um, we had Sean Spicer. We had. The the Mooch Scaramucci was the director of communications, director of comms, um, but he he did the press conferences like two times while he was there, you know, in his three days or (laughs) three or four days. That was the greatest. Um, let's see. Man, I wish he would come back. It just made life so much more exciting. Scaramucci. Yeah. There was, it was fun for a little bit. It was, you know, know? that season of Trump of, you know, that season of Trump was pretty good. I like the way Ben Shapiro talks about how like, you know, in, the latest episode of the Trump presidency, and he thinks of it as like a sitcom almost. Right. It makes a lot of sense, man. Do you think uh, while I'm I'm scrolling through her or the White House YouTube so that I can find the date of the last press, press conference? Yeah. So this one is from it says three months ago, and it was on March 11th. 
mm. was the date of the last official White House pref- press briefing, which is – that's a fucking long time. So do that you is. think – do you think that this leaves the door open – for the next press secretary um, or even the press secretary of the next president to decide whether or not they're going to do press briefings every day. I mean, because like you said, this is, the, this is the first administration that's done it this way, you know? Yeah. And that's – they've all taken advantage of this because it's not just for – I in one of these articles that I was reading, it was um, – there was a partial interview with one of Obama's – press secretaries right and she was talking about i wish i can't remember her name i didn't write it down or anything but she was talking about how important the press briefings are as a tool for the administration because it's an easy way to convey to the rest of the administration what your focus is and like what you like what the priorities are for the president you know because that's what he's talking about that's what's being put out in the press briefing that day so that's what people should be working on you know and so it was an easy way not only for the public because it's our right to know what's going on but also for the administration to dictate to everybody else without having to send out a memo or an email or call everybody and tell them this is what we really want to be working on right now you know and so i I mean it doesn't surprise me because like you said the president does so much of his own press even just on twitter and you know uh, every time he goes somewhere he's answering questions before he's getting on the airplane before he's getting on the helicopter he's out there that's his media background that's you know his marketing branding type of thing like that's how he runs things he is in charge of his pr the numerous rose garden ceremony or uh you know press conferences that we've seen in the last couple weeks rose garden so he's he's handling all that shit by himself um the only three press secretaries that i'm seeing for barack obama so maybe that was communications director or something but josh Ernest, jay carney and robert gibbs yeah so maybe it was uh, maybe it was the communications director for Obama. Um, I, I don't remember. I, but I remember yeah. it was someone from the Obama administration. So don't, you know, obviously don't quote me directly on that. It's paraphrasing. But she just she was talking about what an important tool it was, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that it was weird that that they didn't do more press briefings, you know. But there's so much inconsistency in the administration, so many people doing so many different things. Even if you just take the Iran thing, for example, right? Where the president, when this first started, when we first talked about it two weeks ago, there were such different messages coming from Mike Pompeo and coming from the president, you know. Mm -hmm. Mike Pompeo and John Bolton are talking about how, you know, all options on the table, we're looking at moving soldiers, we we got we got battleships in the area, we got carriers in the area, like we're doing that right now. And the president's like, the last thing that I want is a war with Iran. You know, it's like, I don't want anything like that. I don't, we don't need any more people in the Middle East. None of that shit. Like, it, it, you know, and it was like that for a week until, I mean, even now, it's, they're, they're yeah. not exactly on the same page, you know? Oh, yeah. We'll get into that later because yeah. that's, it's so fucking confusing when, <clears throat> when people do that. I mean, right. I can see kind of a messed up version of like good cop, bad cop type of thing where you have the administration officials handling the business. And then you have the president who is like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. I mean, they're, right. they're taking care of this, but like, no, I don't want this, man. I don't, I don't want and any part of this. It almost seems like it's easier because the president is publicly speaking so frequently through Twitter. You mm-hmm. know, it's easier to just do that and let him say what he, whatever he's going to say than for Sarah Sanders to have to try and turn around and react to everything he's saying all the time. Because he might be changing his mind while she's standing out here on the fucking podium giving this press briefing, you know? Oh, so yeah. he's like, oh, he just tweeted that what you just said isn't true. How do you feel about that? And she's like, oh, well, you know, the president, blah, blah, blah. And she's got to try and fucking 
figured out while she's standing there. Like that's yeah. so I'm and sure to that bring it's it just back to, easier for all of them. Like, to Sarah Sanders just for a second. She was really fucking good at her job. Yeah. Her <laughs> yes. job was to <laughs> yeah. get up on the podium and shill for the president. And that's exactly what she did. And she was damn good at it. And it was she was damn good at it. But no one can say that she was bad at her job. We no. will say that much. We used to watch them and listen to them all the time at work. Oh, I, dude, I, they're I, so good. I still would, yeah, because it was interesting. And I remember just laughing sometimes because I'm like, you bitch. Yeah, like, exactly. you're, I see you what are you're good. doing. Like, that's, that was smart. Mm. That was fucking crafty is what it yeah. was. Yeah, no, she's good. So she's let me good. ask you this. Yes. Because I think we you kind of touched on it before, but nobody's past administrations haven't conducted press conferences and press briefings as much, like even slightly close to where the Trump administration has. I mean, we have we used to have any any Anyways, like a shit ton of them all the time. Sarah yes. Sanders is always out there. Sean Spicer, always out there. That's kind of counterintuitive to what the norm has been for the last few decades. But I don't think it's going to go away. Even, let's just say Democrats get in power. Democrats control the House. They control the Senate. They control the so, executive. I don't see it going away. So you're saying that they've been less frequent but more consistent? Trump administration? No, no, no. Before this. Oh, no. I just – we haven't seen as many. The uh, the pure amount of press conferences, press briefings in the Trump administration, I think, kind of dwarfs the standard operating procedure I'm over not the sure. last few decades. No? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, see, I might have to look that up. That's just the general feeling I get because she's out there all the time. Sarah Sanders is out there all the time. You know, I, I feel well, like I've anymore. never seen so many press briefings before in my life. And maybe that's just the fact that we're coming online and watching these things so much more, or they're just more readily available because they're on more than just C-SPAN. But I'm not totally sure about that. Let's see. This is from fucking... Quartz? Yeah, I was really looking up the date more than anything. It's from 2018. Mm -hmm. It's like a number of press briefings. I'll be curious to look at the numbers. Yeah. The briefings per month for Democrats. Yeah, no, they're usually more. Um, really? Yes. Like, so Sean Spicer did between 16 and 18 per month. Sarah Sanders is doing between between 10 and 12. Whereas, like, these blue dots for are for Democrats. Yeah. So these are the highest ones, right? And this is... Obama's, right? The Ernest was the last of Obama's press secretaries and he did 9,000. 9,000 words was the wow. briefing length. Okay. And this is the briefings per month between 20 and 20, 22 and 24. So we're actually pretty behind the curve. Was, yes. Wow. Far behind the curve already. Not to mention it. So this contentious exchanges per briefing. So <laughs> Obama's last guy also had the most instances of deflecting and press questioning honesty bias or completeness so really so he also questioned mad shit so so that's interesting then well yeah i guess that kind of negates my question so is, yeah yeah and but i do this doesn't this is just from one website or from this whatever you know so yeah. that's only what we're looking at but that doesn't necessarily surprise me for like you said the this president because he's not a general politician he has a way 
way bigger media history than most of these politicians already do. So that's been his deal from the beginning is saying a bunch of his own shit, you know? So yeah. it seems that it's almost not. It's not even that, that necessary I think that it was easier. It's not quite as necessary because he's talking so much, you know? Directly. He, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, every time he tweets, that's essentially like a mini press conference. Exactly. We'll grab this bong real quick. Do it up, girl. Do it up. Do it up yeah, I'm curious girl. if, uh, if this is going to continue, I mean, I think it will just due to the fact that it's going to be 2020, 2021 and, you know, social media stuff and all this. I don't think it just plays so well to politics when you can touch, when you can touch base to the American public so easily and so impromptu at any point is, I think this is going to be a, a part of politics that's going to be around for the long haul now. And so you think that the next president is going to do the same type of shit? I'll be curious. You know, I will. That's something I'll really be curious to see if they do it. And I think it depends on who it is because Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, not that she's she's not running for president, but like yeah. were, she, were she to become the next president, she's going to use social media in a way different way than fucking Joe Biden is mm-hmm. if he's going to become president. You know, yeah, because like, they're like, going to be vastly with, different. With Trump, for the most part, his Twitter feed is him generally. Yes, you know, you can always tell when it's not him tweeting because it's worded totally different. Well, and he doesn't like retweet that much stuff, I don't think. Like most of it is actual like yeah. original tweets that he's mm-hmm. laying out. And I think depending on who does get into office, if it's Andrew Yang, he'll probably be running his shit. Yang gang. Because he is all over the social media business. Yeah. But yeah, Joe Biden, no, it'll be his fucking press secretary or whatever taking right. care of it. And they'll it'll be, be an using, interesting change to watch we'll say that much they'll be using the POTUS handle not their own personal one yeah you know because the president hardly ever uses the POTUS handle he always does now at real Donald Trump yeah because <clears throat> that was I think after when they passed that that bill that basically required the recording of the POTUS tweets as public record and stuff yeah. he's like okay well I'm not gonna do that anymore right I'm gonna voice all my shit out at real Donald Trump and now he just does crazy shit and it's a good thing he's not a drinker because other t- otherwise you know there'd be some fucked up shit getting thrown out on that POTUS account by accident <laughs> Richard Nixon style bad oh, shit yeah so an end of an era for Sarah Sanders yeah and I know as far as I know I have not seen like uh, any leads on who's you know, next step for the press secretary job. I don't know that yeah. people are really, it's been so long, you know, that, I mean, obviously people are frustrated about it for, I had let it go, but for the first like month, I was really frustrated that there wasn't one because they were mm-hmm. happening like fairly frequently, you know, maybe like once or twice, maybe three times a week, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it was happening, but not very often. But, you know, then there was, like I said, a month, month and a half where I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is there no fucking press briefing happening? And that's, you know, that's why. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So we'll see how long, uh, how long it takes for that position to be filled. Shit, if it does, if it gets filled, you know, that's, um, we're coming down. I mean, it's still it's got two years left. Yeah. I mean, the one democratic debates are in two weeks. Yeah. The first one. And well, no, both of them are happening in two weeks, but, um, and they're splitting, them but up. it's still pretty far out. Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of stuff on that. We can hit if we get time later. Yeah, but uh, you know, the actual election itself is still way the fuck out, and so there's nothing. To- November of 2020, in case you guys didn't know. Yeah, you should. And then inauguration is February, it's January, January 21st. I think so. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't know why. I was thinking February. I don't know. <clears throat> Either way. Way too late, motherfucker. Way too late. Way too late, motherfucker. So I think we could probably pivot on to Iran if you want. Let's do it. Given the fact that this is probably something we could have had a lot more press conferences around. Yes. Would be kind um, of nice. Yeah, because Mike Pompeo is the one that's been out talking, which I get yeah. it's not. It's you know, kind of his job, I right. guess. Right. Makes sense. But yeah. um, you still would think – because he's – He's coming at it from like the the executive branch point of view, like what they're going to do, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess the press secretary comes at it from more of like the president himself, you know. Yeah, because so this is all about foreign policy. And- right, right. So I think that it would be helpful. Yeah. Um, but Makes sense for the State Department to handle that kind of stuff. Yeah, obviously we're not going to get that now, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about this like two weeks ago. We talked about something similar to this like two weeks ago. Some oil tankers being attacked in the Strait of Hormuz. And this week on the 13th, there was two more ships that were attacked. The Kukuka Courageous yeah. and the Empty Front Altair, right? Um so there's two more oil tankers that were attacked in the Persian Gulf. Uh, Mike Pompeo and the administration are blaming... Uh, Iran, right? But they provide no evidence. So I, so I want to talk about that, right? Because the f- you're reading the New York Times article. I have a New York from? Times article. Yeah, that's what that particular sentence is. From, yeah, because right? I remember reading that. Um, and then I also looked up a Fox News article, right? Because I wanted to see how they differ, which is generally what we do here, right? Look Absolutely. up an article on each side, and the difference in wording. Between the New York Times article and the Fox News article was really kind of shocking to me, right? That it almost seemed like the New York Times article was trying to make it seem like they're trying to make a war with Iran. Yeah. You know, that they're like, they're trying to take shots at the president, at the administration, at the executive branch, any way that they possibly can, you know? Whereas the Fox News article, when they're talking about Mike Pompeo not having presented any physical evidence, you know, they're like the intelligence community and other countries' intelligence communities have decided and have concluded based off of information they have plus this video that we showed you that there's some sus shit going on and that Iran is probably the ones that are doing it, you know? Yeah. Especially considering that's an Iranian revolutionary guard ship. So I think that it's super weird just the difference in those two things and that I think illustrates why it's so important to read more than one article about what's going on, right? Because if you just read the New York Times article, that one sentence could change the way you look at that. It's it's gonna it will definitely lead you more towards assuming that the Trump administration and the people who are in the administration are out to try and start a war with Iran. Even though the president has said directly, I don't want that. He's shown he's shown that in his policy by pulling people out of the Middle East, the last thing he wants is another war in the Middle East. He's talked against all these long wars for a super long time. Like that's since he's been president, that's what he's oh, yeah. talked about is getting people out of the Middle East. Regardless of how you feel about him, we don't have any evidence for President Trump directly to assume other than his ties with Syria that he wants more active duty soldiers in the Middle East. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We don't have any evidence to believe that. In that little audio piece that we we cut last week in the show where President Trump was talking about the military industrial complex. Yes. If you listen to that whole interview, that was a Fox News interview. He actually addresses that and he's saying how he wants to pull people out and he said, yeah. but my the Republican establishment at this point, right. the, the people that you know, Mike Bolton and or uh, Bolton John and Pompeo, Bolton. yeah, um, that they want 
to be there. They want to send right. more troops. And, and I want to be clear, the right I said that the president himself, he has yeah. shown that there is no we has shown there's no evidence that he wants more troops in the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. When we talked about this two weeks ago, we did discuss there is discussions in the administration about sending as many, I believe, as 120,000 troops to Iran, to that area, right? Mm-hmm. So there are discussions in there, but I'm talking about the president as as an individual has not shown any inclination towards wanting any type of, of military action in Iran, mm-hmm. right? No matter what you read, right? he personally hasn't given us any evidence to tie it his motive to war to him. And I think that's probably part of the reason there aren't already more troops in Iran, right? I think if, so. If he was on the same tilt as John Bolden as and, and as Mike Pompeo, we would already be over there. We would already have people. Because, I mean, we have like, so we have ships in the Gulf now. And we have more. like We have carriers there. But there was not a huge increase in troops other than the, the people yeah. who were on those ships. There was like the a bomber squadron was sent over there. Right. And then so, some, some Navy assets. Right. But there is not, like we said, the, yeah. the move of the 120,000 troops that is being discussed there. And I think that if... If he did want that, then we'd already be there. It would already be uh-huh. on the way, you know. And as far as I know, we haven't – no one's been ordered, you know, to go over. As far as I know, that's – and maybe we're incorrect, but that's – As know. of right now, as that's of kind now. of where we haven't heard anything yet, which – yes. You know, we keep our ear to the grindstone on that one pretty well. So the reports from the administration from the intelligence communities are that there were – Limpet mines, right? Yes. Which are sticky mines that were on the the ships that exploded and caused the fires, right? There have been a couple of different, um, slightly different stories um, where like someone who was on one of the boats said that they thought they got hit by a torpedo, but they weren't sure there was another person. And that was just people on the Kokuka Courageous, right? And the people yeah. who owned that boat that were saying they thought they got hit by a torpedo. The people on the other boat were saying they were like, we don't know. There was an explosion and there was a fire and that's all that we know about what happened here. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was video, like we said, that was released that shows an Iranian guard vessel that goes up to one of the the tankers pulls something off of the side and then speeds away before any U.S. military personnel are able to go and recover mm-hmm. what is believed to be an unexploded uh, ordnance device on the side of the ship. Now so, you know why they call them limpet mines. You know what a limpet is? It's those little, like, almost barnacle-looking things oh, they okay. suck onto stuff. And yeah, it's this kind of weird-looking triangular you know, mine, essentially, that's stuck on this sh- the hull of this ship. And so yeah, it yeah. looks kind of like a limpet. Interesting. That's wild. Just, you know, fun facts. Fun facts. Yeah, fun facts in this devastating fucking incident. Yeah, so... Yeah, I showed you that video yesterday of the, the Japanese owner of that ship. Yes. Because um, one of them is owned by a Japanese... I don't know if it's a Japanese company or just the Japanese owner of the company. And then the other one is a Norwegian-held vessel. But, uh, yeah, he was on there and he was, he was just saying, you know, and he made sure that it was essentially just a best guess or speculation or something at this point. But apparently he was kind of throwing the out the idea that, you know, some of the sailors on that boat thought they saw something fly into the boat. Yeah. And so now they're, you know, just muddy in the waters. Indicating that maybe a plane was out there and had shot some type of missile at the, at the boat. Yeah. Um, there was, 
a naval plane in the area that caught the video footage. So yep. when we were talking about it last night, it makes sense to me that maybe they heard the explosion, looked up and saw an airplane and assumed, you know, that or maybe there was a torpedo and they saw the shadow or something and then yep. looked up and saw a plane, you know, it's it's it's. Eyewitness testimony in a traumatic and stressful situation is not a good basis of evidence. No. And it's even possible that they put mines on the side of the ships and then shot torpedoes at them, you know, and could add to like, that's totally possible. Yep. And maybe they hit in the wrong place on this one and it didn't explode the mine, you know? So it's Who all, knows? all things are possible, right? So as I'm watching this, as I'm reading these different articles, you know, that I said that are telling me different stories. I find myself kind of stuck between two different positions that I know in the past, the government has lied to get us into wars. There is a military industrial complex. There are people who want wars. There, Dick Cheney exists. People like Dick Cheney exist that make money when the United States is, is actively involved in military conflict. Right. Dude, I'm so glad because when this first came out and I was, I was talking to one of the guys at work about it and you know, he goes, yeah, the fucking, you know, what are the odds that this could just be a black fat black flag? And I was, it was bad. I think that my mind instantly shot to Gulf of Tonkin when yeah. I first heard so, about this. And I'm going, it's, I don't want to assume that. Yeah, but it doesn't seem out of the possibility. And it's not right. So you know, so I'm stuck between that and wanting to have faith in the current state of the intelligence community, right? Because I don't, with the people who currently sit at the head of the intelligence communities, I don't have any reason to believe that they're not doing their job. You know, they called they the Russia not, thing from the beginning. They have not directly fallen in line with President Trump on everything that he said. Nope. Christopher Ray specifically, when he has called shit out, when he's the director of the FBI, when things have happened, he was straight up at it. When the government was shut down, he was posting videos saying, this is unacceptable. People are not being paid. We work for you. Like, this is, we're here. Pay mm -hmm. us. Do your job, right? Who is a Trump appointee? Yes, right? Gina Haspel, same thing. Since she's been the director of the CIA, I have not heard anything bad that she's done, right? She's, so far as I know, she's doing an excellent job. She is dissenting from the president when he deserves to be dissented from, right? I don't believe as of now that there is a deep state that exists in the intelligence communities, right? Like I said, especially when it comes to Gina Haspel and, and Christopher Ray, those are both President Trump appointees. If there's a deep state that it exists, it's not in his favor. And you're, I mean, you're talking like about, that. and no, the deep state he's talking about is not in his favor, right? Yeah. Like that's what he's saying. And I don't, I don't believe that that exists. I think that there were some people like Peter Strzok, like Lisa Page that existed in the intelligence communities. And I'm sure that there still are, right? That did not love the president. But as we've talked about in the past, there was an, an inspector general investigation that showed they were biased, but it did not it did not affect any of their work. If anything, no. it negatively affected Hillary Clinton because <laughs> they focused so much on her, right? So, like, I've – or because they focused so much on President Trump that hers got put on the back burner and all no. that information waited to get exposed, right? So – The perfect storm of shit show and laziness. So, I don't buy that there – is a deep state in the intelligence communities that wants to take down the president as mm -hmm. he sits now. Well, I don't believe that that exists, right? So I have a hard time believing that – I don't know, man. That I mean, it's I, false I, intelligence. I, I feel like for that to be the case, to think that the intelligence communities are in it with the executive branch or with the military to try and lead towards something militaristic in Iran – Right. To believe that, you have to believe that 
Mike Pompeo left enough people in his wake in the CIA that are still like off of tendrils of his, you know, that will buy into what he's doing, that are hawkish enough, just like him, that are following his lead, that when he's saying this is what's happening with Iran, they're going to say the same thing in the CIA. So the CIA can match with the uh, Secretary of State and he has that evidence to work towards it, you Mm -hmm. know, and I don't think that's the case. I don't think that there's, like I said, that there's people he still has left agents in the CIA that are just so fucking in love with Mike Pompeo that they're going to adjust their reporting and their evidence to support whatever he's saying. I don't believe that. Yeah. And maybe I'm dumb fucking wrong. Maybe that's the case, you know, but we're not going to know for fucking 50 years, you and, know, until all this stuff yeah. is, is unredacted until all of it is, is open for people to see. We're not going to fucking know. But as it sits right now, I don't believe that that's the case. Yeah. I think that Mike Pompeo is really hawkish. I think that John Bolton is really hawkish. And I think that we knew those things when they got into these positions. I don't think the president wants war in the Middle East because it's going to look fucking terrible for him. And he will not get elected a second time if he sends more troops to the Middle East. And he knows oh, yeah. that. Right? He does not want that. It's the last fucking thing that he wants. Mm-hmm. So, Because it's one thing for him. He's It's kind of a side, to- side topic. But for him to fail on a campaign promise has much different implications, has much more intense implications, I think, than right. any other politician before him. Mm-hmm. And even if he doesn't say like with the wall, like he ran on the wall, well, due to political bureaucracy, we're not probably going to get his wall in the way that he thinks. But so he's, not the way that he ran on it, no. Yeah, but he he very publicly fights for it and has never stopped fighting for Still it. Still talks about it. Whereas if he was to blatantly pull away from one of his promises about pulling out of bad wars and stupid wars and all the stuff that he the ran Iran on. deal, TPP. Yeah, and if he actually went counter to that on just one of his campaign promises. Especially this There's campaign. no way he's getting reelected. Especially this late. Yeah, this late in the game like that. You Do know, you wanna- because he's done his trade stuff. He's done he's been hard on the border. You know, he's done a lot of his campaign promises. Not so much the outcomes have been the same, but he's pursued them. Right. And if he pulls back on this and and ends up sending troops in, that's a game over, I think, for him. Right. No, I absolutely agree. Um, And I, well, before I do, I I think that, I think that he's almost finding himself in like a, almost between a rock and a hard place right now. And I'm not trying to like sympathize with the president, you know, but, (laughs) but like he's, he's picked people for whatever reason that he picked them, you know, for whatever reason that he picked Mike Pompeo and then he picked John Bolden, he picked those people. And now he's at like really supremely conflicting opinions with them about something that really, like you said, can make or break his presidency right now. He's so deep into the game. There's just, there's no one who's come out as of now to say they're running against the president in the Republican Party, right? But still, it could happen any time. And if he's going to make a decision like this, or if the administration is going to make a decision like this, and troops do get sent into Iran or in the surrounding areas, right? There are going to be dissenters in the Republican Party. There are going to be people who come out and say, this is not what we should be doing. I don't support this. We need to, you know, redo the AUMF, all all this, whatever. They're going to use that as a tool to run against him and try and primary him so they can beat whoever the fuck it is that comes out of the Democratic Party. Because unless it's fucking, you know, one of like four people out of the Democratic Party, they're getting their dicks stomped in the dirt. Like it's, you know what I'm saying? So he – And I think the only – counter to that would be if something drastic happened 
Yeah. Because then you would have a, you know, the, right. the sleeping hawks in the Republican Party, if you will, will wake up. Right. And then they're going to demand that something happen. And if he still wants to not do anything troop-wise, that could be a game changer too. Right. But there's a lot of what ifs there. There is one thing, as long as you're... Oh, I was going yeah, to... make it a was point, a, right? It was a side thing, and then I have one last thing for this, and then that's it. But... Okay. um Excuse me. Totally a side note. But do you know how I know that my political views have changed since the 2016 election? How? In the 2016 election, when I was on the internet, all the ads that I saw were only for Democrats, right? Or for Hillary, for all this oh, stuff, yeah. right? And I've started to see Trump ads when I'm like on YouTube and stuff like that. <laughs> and I always close them out because I'm like, fuck you. Like, I'm not voting for Donald Trump. But I never, ever, ever saw a Donald Trump ad before. And now I see them, like, not consistently, but... Maybe like half of the time, you know, yeah. like I'll get a Trump ad that he's like, we need money because we're running and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and, so, and like it's this little video, you know, and I – it surprised I I me. I that. Yeah, it surprised me the first couple of times. Oh, God, that's but so funny. now I'm like, I guess this is what I asked for, you know. Yep. <laughs> so, you did I, this to yourself, yeah, baby. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. So um, all these tensions that I ran, they centered around – or at least currently, they centered around I ran stepping back – from the nuclear deal. Yes, right. From from the the, the rules, the situation, whatever the fuck yeah. I'm trying to think of um, that were set in the deal, right? And I don't remember what podcast I was listening to, but they proposed a really interesting theory, right? That it's – is it possible, do you think, that Iran stepping back on the, on the Iran nuclear deal, right, could be an attempt to negotiate the North Korea way and be aggressive and try and bring Trump to the table, right? Because that's what North Korea did. They're like, fuck you, we're testing missiles, we're doing this shit, and for whatever reason, you know, that got Donald Trump to have a summit, right? I didn't really consider that before, but it's it's possible, I think, you know, that they saw that and they're like, okay, none of this is working. We've waited over a year for them to try and communicate with us, for them to go back in the deal so that we could come to the table and do whatever. So now... Let's just press the fuck on. Let's just do what we're going to do. We'll start ramping up. We'll start making some weapons if that's what we have to do. And then we'll we'll get someone to the table, you know? Do you think that's possible, that that's what they're doing? Hmm. I don't know. See, I think that most of their maneuvering at this point, I don't think was something they had planned on doing. Yeah. I think. Pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal gave them an excuse to do it. Um, and I understand the massive flaws built into the deal originally, and I understand why we wanted to pull out from it. But the fallout, I think, in this case, is them having to strictly go on the, you know, the aggressive I don't I don't know if I want to call it defensive, but it They've taken up a very aggressive stance. Yeah. Even compared to the usual death to America, death to Israel, death to the Jew chants and stuff that we hear. Right. Um, from the Because unquestionably, there is a leadership. lot of that that comes out yes. of Iran. Out of, unquestionably, yeah. you know. And it's important to remember that that's not the general populace, per no. se. That's really not the case. No. Um, but I don't know if it's, it's necessarily regime. a power play or if it was planned. I think... I think at this point, they're the the powers that be in Iran are out for self-preservation because they've seen what's happened to Libya. And yes. they, they know that if this goes the, the worst way, 
that their their hold on power is gone and they probably their lives are probably forfeit. Well, and they've already heard John Bolton reference the you know the, yeah, Libya, the Libya model, model when talking about North Korea. Yeah, and if he's even more hawkish on Iran than he is on North Korea, mm-hmm. then. And this is not to take into account the fact that Iran is one of the leading sponsors of terror and, you know, all this stuff. Like, I understand why the tension's there. But just trying to pull back the 30,000 feet and just look at it, you know, geopolitically. Yeah. And what they're trying to do to hold on to their power. And, yeah, see, I don't know if I can go with the the direct kind of North Korea model like, well, we're going to build nuclear weapons so that we can – you know, sling some fucking BDE around. Yeah. But it could be. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them at this point, especially because now that we kind of gave them that window, if they can get to the point there, if they can get to that point before intervention has taken place, yeah, they will have secured their spot of power. Because once you have the bomb, you're always one of the, you're always in the, in the room now. Right. And that's You're what I'm saying. I don't, in the game. I don't know that it was planned for a long time, you know, but so maybe just that they saw that that's how it happened. They yeah. got, I mean, North Korea got, has got two summits, you know, under their belt with the president in the time that Iran has just been sitting there with their thumb yeah. up their ass waiting for the president to come to the table and re-sign the deal so that they can have a discussion about what to do next. You know, cause that's, yeah. that's been Iran's position the whole time is they don't want to negotiate until the U.S. signs back onto the deal, and then they'll come to the table and they'll have a discussion. But until yeah. there's some like the, type of the removal set. of the sanctions, which yeah, is the, exactly. that's yeah, the real crippling money back. part. Exactly, because after all that happened, after especially after Iran, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but especially yeah. after Iran pulled out of their end of the deal, the president said that he was willing to sanction any other country that that bought oil from Iran, and so now they're especially upset, you know. And yeah. so there are questions speculations that Iran is doing these things with the oil tankers in in the strait to damage the oil market and make people increase the demand for oil so that Iran's oil will be more needed around the world and people will have to do business with them regardless of whatever the US is going to do so we're trying to find this article sense. that I found you know about what I'm saying? that like that I understand that idea, and I, I don't think that that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so on that note too, because yes. the the price of oil went up, I think four percent after the attack, and then apparently, I just I found this article was on what is that? What's the fucking Peacock NBC? Yeah, yeah NBC News, and it's not an opinion piece. It's directly from their energy columnist. But they're saying that this tanker like fire that. could actually lead to lower gas prices. Really? Um, that and, you know, with ties, of course, to the trade war with China, apparently. And so, I don't know how they predict this This person, Martha White, writing for NBC News, is trying to make the case that even though oil prices on Thursday briefly rose as high as 4% on the, on the news that the two vessels had been sabotaged, I don't know why they said that in the Middle East, um, East Shipping Channel, it retreated from those high, from the highs by the end of the trading day, and it was actually back below. And so, somehow or other, she makes case by July 4th that parts of the country will see gas prices dip below $2 a gallon. What? And I'm going, For I how? don't understand how, how less that passes even that's- Econ 101. 
But she's trying to make the case that it's possible due to the fact that somehow or other, even though that the supply is dropping, the U.S. has so much fucking oil now. Yeah. And we've stockpiled so much. Apparently, we... If we tap into that, prices will go down. I don't quite understand where she's coming from. Is there – I don't expect you to know this, and that's fine if you don't. But are there different qualities of crude oil? Like does America make better crude oil than Iran or than you know Venezuela or whatever? Like I know that different places have more mm-hmm. than others, you know. But I wonder if there's better qualities or if certain countries are better at refining it, you know, so that when you get it, it's better it's quality. It's better. Um, like yeah, I, see, like, I wonder what the deal is with that because from like, like the the U.S. consumer point of view, like you know, some people have like, well, I only buy gas from Shell stations right, or right. whatever, and it's like, well, yeah, they're just a better company; they make a better product. Chevron has their trademark Tecron right. thing, right? And yeah, I don't know. I it, wonder if you watch the commercials, every you know oil company makes the best gas, so <laughs> right. I don't know how much truth there is to any of that. To That's be honest, I wish I kind of did because then I'd be a more crafty consumer. <laughs> there right. was there was one last point, if you're kind of finished with this, that I wanted to ask you about. Um, yeah, I think the only other thing was that Mike Pompeo laid out 12 like points, demands almost, um, for Iran. For America to go back, and I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't watch the video, so I don't have the full list of twelve demands, but I'll get it for next week. Um, but I know that on there was that Iran defunded all of the terrorist groups that they're paying for right now, that they stopped funding Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Houthis in Yemen, and then there's like fifty different paramilitary groups in Iraq that are being funded through Iran, being trained through different, you know, the Israeli Guard or the, uh, not the Israeli Guard, the Iranian Guard and shit. And mm-hmm. so there's Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Exactly. Corps. Yeah. There's so like, so there's about 50 different paramilitary groups in Iraq that are either being funded or trained by the Iranians or some type of splinter group off of them. So that was one of the demands on Pompeo's list was, do you have to stop paying for these things before we and are going to talk to seems- you about Pretty standard. It I seems feel like, like it goes with the territory. I feel that way as well. That I don't. I don't think asking them to stop backing terrorist groups is unfair. I can see how it's one hundred percent hypocritical because we just signed a fucking multi billion dollar arms deal with the Saudis. You know who are doing the exact same shit. Who? Yeah. We're asking the Iranians to stop fighting a group that we are helping pay for right now. You know. That doesn't look very good. So it's the nature it, of the proxy war. It it makes I'm sure makes Iran feel like we're trying to fucking quash them. You know, we're trying to to just to gain power over Iran by funding Saudi Arabia, but you know, or by you know also having like people you know to mm-hmm. kind of help. Uh, what's what's that called? Advise advisors in the area, you know, from the military. And oh yeah, there are interests run totally contradictory to each other, hundred yes. percent. And so, so we've been behind that for a long time. Yeah. So I see, like I said, how it's one hundred percent hypocritical for oh, us. Yeah. Like, well, you need to stop funding these terrorist groups, but I need to finish, you know, I gotta I'm waiting for the ink to dry on this fucking weapons deal with the Saudis that I'm not telling Congress about mm-hmm. that I'm just shoving through, you know, and whatever what they do with the weapons, that's, you know, none of my business. That's that's on yep. them. But And who put Iran in the state of power that it is currently? Who paved the way for that? I, I couldn't tell you. Iran Contra. Oh, word. Right, the, right. Okay. The gotcha. Iranian Revolution. You got to remember, Iran back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Was like a metropolis 
you know, a Western metropolis paradise. Yeah. Until the revolution, which we helped start and fund, and it didn't go, it kind of all went pear shaped after that, obviously, as we've seen with most of our, um, you know, Middle Eastern dictatorial leaders that we put into power. I think it was on, wasn't intercept, it was deconstructed this week. They had a really, really good conversation about Iran. And it was, I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. It was really, really good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there was another deconstructed too. Andrew Yang. Oh, yeah, Andy Yang. (sighs) Yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. We can talk about it next if you want. Let's fucking do it. Um, Because that's about all I have as far as Iran. Obviously, we'll be tracking this for updates further. And I'll link back to these episodes um, in the posting on Monday. Link to episode. Sorry, I'm writing it down so that I don't forget. Let's see. Link to episodes. So, um, let's see here. So, yeah, we can talk about that real quick if you'd like. Yeah, um, let's. If we do. Because there's only one thing I remember off the top of my head um, to. Just the fact that it was a total dick to him. It, it, yeah, he, he did. He was just trying to get him on anything yeah. possible, right? Yeah. So, so before we get into it real quick, let's. Could we do Yang Kamala Harris's podcast? Yes. And then let's hit up the U.S. Congress thing. That way we make sure the two two topics we checked in the beginning, yes. we hit those for sure. Yes. Deal. Okay, so let's talk about Yang real quick, right? Let's do so it. Deconstructed is a podcast that we've talked about in the past. It's, it's pretty good. It, it definitely leans uh-huh. pretty far left. But the guy who does it, uh, Mehdi Hassan, is a good reporter. He's a fucking... Same deal. Bulldog, dude. Just a oh, bulldog. Yeah. He will call you on anything if it's even slightly dishonest. It's He's legit. I like his reporting. I don't agree with his politics most of the time, but I love the way that he does his job, right? Yeah. And he's very entertaining. High-quality audio. Yes. High-quality content. Yeah. And so we had Andrew Yang on there, who we've talked about in the past, who's a Democratic candidate for president. Um, and who's a big proponent for universal basic income that he calls uh, the freedom dividend, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not universal because it's like opt-in, so not everyone gets it, and it's a whole deal, right? We talked about it in the past. I'll link back to that too. So um, here, let me even write that down. Link. I want to say there should be an easy one. I think that's like two episodes ago maybe, Um, something like that. Yeah, it's not too long ago. Um, Maybe it was the episode before Haley. Yeah, so – the one thing that I remember off the top of my head is he kept trying – Mehdi Hassan kept trying to equate white supremacy to Andrew Yang. Andrew yes. Yang, who you may have guessed because of his last name, is Asian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he – because he doesn't buy into like the identity politics, intersectionality shit that people are going on, he's willing to call racism racism regardless of what color your skin is. If you're being racist, you're being racist, things like that, right? So there are, for whatever reason, you know, he has a following of white supremacists that he disavowed like three or four times on this fucking show, right? Mm-hmm. Medi-san kept trying to act like he wasn't saying that when he's like, listen, I've said it already, so I don't have to say it again on the show, but I will. Like, I, I don't buy into any of this. I'm not in favor of any of that, right? So he was asking him, Medi-san was asking him, why do you think that these people identify with your message, right? You know, that there's some type of whatever. And Andrew Yang said something to the effect of, well, I think that maybe, you know, they see that, 
like the way of life of a white supremacist is similar to the way of life of an industrial worker that it's coming to an end. You know, they're mm-hmm. seeing the end of like their ability to live in this world. Many is like, oh, what the fuck do you mean? Like, what could that possibly mean? And I'm like, wait, that seems like a totally legitimate thought. The white supremacist that exists today is seeing that his views and the way that he sees the world is slowly becoming less and less acceptable and less and less okay. That's a totally legitimate and honest statement that I think is a good thing. I thought it was so weird that he twisted it into like, what are you saying that they, that they need to like continue to live? Like he didn't say anything like that. Yeah. He's saying that he, it's possible that they identify with his message because their way of life also is dwindling in America. Didn't say that was a bad thing. He said that that is possible to why they're, they're following him. And I think that's totally legitimate. Yeah. I thought that was so fucking weird. And, and it's because he wanted, I think it's because he wanted him to just say like, well, yeah, they have no place on this earth. Right. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah, no, that I get that. That's in a perfect world. There would be no white supremacists, but at the same time, they are here. And if right. anything, it's a good thing that their way of life is threatened in a fashion that, you know, they can see their their own version of intersectional yeah. politics almost in a way come to an end slowly. And so they're worried. So they latch onto his message because it's not one of the typical identity politics. Right. And so it's, it's almost like you're, you're talking about apples and oranges here. They're two totally separate conversations, why they might be interested in his message. And like, of course, he disavowed them a thousand times. Right. It's like it has nothing to do with he's the, the guy's same. fucking Asian. He's not a white supremacist. No, man. Like I know I don't even understand why that's something that could even begin to be conflated. You know, the, like I know he's Asian. Like you can't be a white supremacist if you're Asian. I yeah. don't see how that is I mean, I you I guess you it's like being like a self hating Jew or something, like I guess that could be the case, but that's seems rare, man. Seems really rare. That yeah. you find someone of some type of minority ethnicity that is a white supremacist. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. That's a it's a fucking Dave Chappelle skit. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's like I don't. What the fuck? It's an actual Dave Chappelle skit. Like I don't understand. One of the greatest ones. Clayton Bixby, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. God, that was. Yeah, I don't so understand good. how that could be the case. So, yeah. Did you have anything written down about uh, that Yang episode? That was basically the only thing. Really, yeah. it was just. That whole leap that he tried to make for the white supremacist thing was just – it was Bullshit. so transparent and it was a, it was just a reach too far. I was like, bro, you can do better than that, man. Yeah. You made a more compelling argument for packing the Supreme Court than you did for Andrew Yang supporting white supremacists. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mitty, but it, it's like a thing. Yeah. That, um, that was pretty funny. And then NPR is doing the politics podcast is doing a series of interviews. Yeah, with I got um, I got some notes on this. Dif- one. Yeah, with different presidential Democratic presidential candidates while they're doing like the Iowa caucuses and whatnot. So the last one with, with was with Kamala Harris, and so we have some notes um, on on why this, she's so problematic on this <laughs> interview. So the first thing that I have is she was talking about the Hyde amendment, right? And yeah. we talked about the Hyde amendment when Hillary, was, or Hillary, Hillary, when, when Haley was in a few weeks ago, she's one of my best friends and I just called her Hillary. Wow. Asshole. Um, that's a deep cut too, man. So we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and the Hyde amendment is a piece that gets tacked onto every funding bill that, says that no federal dollars can be allocated to abortion services in America. 
right? So that just means that your tax dollars, regardless of your opinion on abortion, won't go directly to abortion services, right? That is not to say... It's like, can you do me a favor, actually, grab your phone and put it, like, more squared up in front of you or something? Yes. That feedback, whatever, gets real easily picked up by these mics. Um... So, like, it does not say that money won't go to Planned Parenthood because not all money that goes to Planned Parenthood, not all parents just do abortion. That's, we talked about that in the past. Yeah. But, so, the Hyde Amendment just says that no tax dollars will go towards abortion, right? So, Kamala Harris said that the Hyde Amendment is an attack on poor women. Um, and her deal is that she wants to make sure that everybody has equal rights to an abortion. If you don't have the money, you should be able to do it and, like, all this stuff, right? Yeah. The Hyde Amendment – is not an attack on poor women because government-funded abortion is not an entitlement. It's not something that you're entitled to. It's not a right that you have in America that people who don't agree with your choices have to pay your choices, right? People yeah, I wish are I wrote not down her actual quote for that. People are not generally morally opposed to providing food and medical care to people who have no money, right? Yeah. There is a difference to a moral imposition to something you believe is murder. And giving people food stamps when they don't have any money, right? Yes. Generally, people are not morally opposed to food stamps, to to government assistance of that kind, right? Mm-hmm. There is a huge – half of America has a moral imposition to abortion. You can't equate those two things, right? Yes. It's – I, I – was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Well, I know what she's trying to get at. Yeah, and that's that's because the Hyde Amendment is attached essentially to every government funding bill, every budget that's put out, because it's dictating that this budget, this is like a rule for this budget. You cannot allocate federal funds to abortion services. Period. Right. And so it's attached to every federal budget that every congressperson votes on, or. Is supposed to vote on. Since it was introduced. Yes. And, but her problem is in her view, people that's, you know, there are people that seek abortions that do not have the money for it. Right. And she thinks that this is what I take from her argument from this is that we should not, as a federal government, deny those people financial aid to seek health care, which is their right. And yeah. And I understand that argument to it, but it's not the same argument. And it doesn't hold as much weight because abortion, every state because, is responsible for handling exactly, it. Exactly. Because Washington it's not, State has financial aid exactly. for that. It's, Washington State has financial aid for illegal immigrants to get abortions. It's not something that's that's laid out directly in the Constitution. It's not no. even something that's that's like an amendment to the Bill of Rights. It's it's just a Supreme Court case that dictates laws in other states, right? No. Because it's something that's broken down to states' rights. So I don't understand. I don't, it's strange that she can even talk about this because she's not going to be able to place some type of federal decision to get things like this done because it's not a federal choice. This is something that's dictated by the states. But that's what she's wanting it to be in her world. She and wants federal aid funding to be available for without that a and super not majority, leaving it up Without for the a states. super majority in the Senate and the House, there's no way. I'm telling, I'm not telling you because you oh, know, yeah. I'm telling you guys. Without a supermajority in the Senate and in the House, there's no fucking way that she can do that. And I'm telling you that because I think it's important, especially at this stage, if there's going to be so many Democratic candidates, to look at what their campaign promises are and see what are actually realistic. 
Because yeah. if she's going to run, if they're, if any of these people are going to run on a stack of, of promises that they are not going to be able to fill without a super majority, then it's not going to happen because there's no way that you're getting over 60 Democrats in the Senate and over fucking 300 or whatever in the House. Like that's, yeah, it's not happening. Like it's just not going to happen because not, there's not enough of America who leans that way politically and personally. This is, yeah, it's very true. It's just, it's not realistic. And I mean, that's not even bringing into the conversation the, the idea that you're just going to, the federal government's going to usurp more power from the states. Right. And now it's the feds problem only. The states right. just have to deal with it. But that so, would solve the problem of those, you know, in her eyes, those pesky Republican states that are passing abortion laws and all this. It's a way to deal with that. Right. So on that, on that same tilt, right? She was talking about how under a, a Kamala Harris executive. Yeah. She is going to have the DOJ go after state abortion laws and they're going to look into all their laws and make sure that they coincide with current laws and federal regulations. And and they're going to make the call how the constitutionality of these abortion laws is. And then they're going to – yeah. She's going to send the DOJ on that mission. So same idea, directly interfering with states' rights. You can't do that. It's impossible. You can't – you cannot do that. You can't – that's – Talk about usurping the power from the judicial branch. Yeah. You're going around the judicial judicial branch so that you don't accidentally get a ruling that you don't like. Right. Because you know better. Right. That is a complete and utter disregard for how the American governance – is supposed to work. And she's using she's using things like the Alabama abortion law as a justification for this, right? For her to not mention because when she's talking about it, she's like, these people are, you know, there no one is going to be able to get an abortion. Like this, this is how it's going to be. To not mention that it is highly unlikely that that bill ever goes into effect is, I believe, is intentionally misleading. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Like that's I believe. And I can't I have to say I believe because I can't place any type of intention on what she's saying but i believe it is intentionally misleading because anybody who's listened to us talk about it and trusts what we have to say and that we know our research that we know what the fuck we're talking about it is it so unlikely that that alabama abortion law ever actually goes into effect it is unlikely that it ever makes it to the supreme court because the way that the laws are written if it makes it to even the superior court it will get shut down. I, I feel very, very confident of that. So for her to not mention that, I personally feel is intentionally misleading. And I don't agree. How long has Kamala Harris been a senator? Oh, this is her first term. This is her first term. In yeah. governance period. Yep. She was the 30, 32nd Attorney General of California. The, yep. She was the district attorney for San Francisco before that. And you know what they're talking about while I was listening to this – interview right they're like she gained notoriety you know in these hearings where she grilled all these different people like okay so kamala harris's grilling of these people is her asking questions that are half based in truth and not allowing the person to actually answer the question before she moves on and asks and asks another misleading question what the fuck like, if you actually pay attention to what's going on, if you know what she's asking about, you know that she's full of shit. Half the things she's asking about are not true. Yep. And that's why she's not letting that person answer the question. 
She doesn't want the answer. Dude. <laughs> that's, Dude. What the fuck? But that's what right? a Senate hearing is these days, isn't it? Yeah. So she, the one thing, do you have anything else on there besides like a negative thing else that you pulled from that? You've been hitting all the ones that I wanted to hit Word. so far. Uh, because the next thing I have is a positive thing, actually. Right. Or a, a half positive, right? Something oh, that I got I, another negative. All want. right. Well, let's hear it before I move on. To when this. she starts talking about teachers and education. Yes. And she wants essentially the federal government to come to an agreement, pass a bill, whatever it is, so that any for what for every one dollar that the state yeah. puts towards the teachers pay. Yeah. You know, through of course, because you gotta remember this is all handled through the fucking teachers unions. Yeah. And so they They'll say, okay, we give you guys $100 million for this year for all your teacher salaries and all this stuff. Boom, boom, boom. She wants to federally match every dollar on the state level, $3 from the federal level. Yeah. And essentially triple, quad, yeah, that'd be a tripling of a teacher's salary. Right. Which is not indeed the way it would work. So, right. That so is, she's just going to dump the federal government's going to get, you know, give 30. Three times more money to the teachers' unions for them to do whatever the fuck they want with. Because they can't dictate how the union spends their money. Right. So, so that was the the negative half of my point, right? Oh, perfect. The positive positive thing I pulled from it was I agree that the federal government, I think, should have a, a larger hand in education in this country because that's how we're measured globally. We're not measured by state on the global market. We're measured by the United States as a whole, what our education system is like, right? It's all run through it's the all run Department through the of Education. So I 100% agree that I think there should be more federal money spent on education. I think that it should be equalized across state. I think that you shouldn't get a vastly better education in one state than you do in another one. Mm-hmm. I think every state, you should be getting at least – a range of this good of an education. You know what I'm saying? Like you shouldn't get a vastly different education in a different county, in a different district, in a different town, in a different anything, right? I very much believe that. Yeah, you shouldn't be born into a shitty school district just because of where you were born. And that's not me saying, oh, there should be private schools. If you have more money, you have the right to buy your kid into another school, right? To a private school. I think that that's your right as having a fuckload of money. Charter schools and school vouchers. But I don't think that you should have to get a shitty education because you don't have money. I don't believe in that, yeah. right? Just due to the shitty circumstances right. that a lot of people are born into, you should not be subject to no. a life of bullshit no. because of that. I, so I truly believe that I am been a proponent for a long time and will for an incredibly long time money being taken out of the defense budget and placed into the education budget. A new fucking person in there because Betsy DeVos is such a shilling piece of shit. <laughs> a new secretary of education to handle this shit so that things can be equalized, right? That's one thing that I got down with what she was saying. Yes. I do not, however, agree with the idea of the three federal dollars to every mm-hmm. one state dollar because that's a shitload of money. And like you said, you can't allocate after you give that money where it goes. There's no deciding that. No, because you know then what you're I'm infringing saying? upon it's, the rights yeah. of the people to collectively bargain, right. aka the teachers' union. But I want to agree with you like 50% on this. Okay. Because I think I would like there to be more dollars. Yes. 100%. I'm down with 
a three to one ratio. I'm yeah. down with that as long as it, like you said, I'd like that money to come you from like the DOD what, would be fine. Yes. But we need to, and this sounds so shitty, and I can't believe I'm going to say this as a small L libertarian. We need to regulate the shit out of how that money is spent. Yes. Because it is not. It is put into administration like and the bloated and stuff, yeah. fucking bullshit that is the one thousandly percent corrupt right. teachers unions around right. the country, and every one of them is different depending on what state and all this good right. stuff. But and without I, any kind of fucking guidelines that you have to meet that are really fucking strict, right? You're just gonna give them a blank check essentially and say, "Well, you better do you better do right by your teachers right. and by the kids." And, and no, fuck right. you. So you guys I, have you guys have lost that privilege by underpaying teachers for decades. You so, should not be able to do that. So I should clarify. I do. I I even have written down here. I do agree with federal money to pay teachers way more and equalize across states. Right. So Boom. that's. So I agree. That's that is my point. I believe that the money should go yeah. to paying teachers. Like it, it's not something I think that you should be getting into for the money, you know. But I don't think that people generally will because if you hate kids, even a hundred thousand dollars a year is not going to be worth it to deal with fucking third no. graders all year, right? So, no. but I think that when you are paying people to shape the youth of America, like. They should be getting paid a lot of money. A shit ton of money. A lot of money. Like, I should not and, be making more money than a teacher. Yeah. That should not be the case. And I think that's- I don't have a degree. I didn't go to fucking school. Mm. And I went to fucking high school and I did poorly. And then I had shitty jobs and lucked into a good one. But Don, you're like, a great teacher. You should be a civic teacher. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> but I, I should not be making more money than a teacher at really most points in my life. Like, yeah. towards then when I'm making stacks, I'm doing good things. I should, you know, be up there. But- <laughs> Like, if you're going to go to school and have a quality education to get a good job being a teacher, yeah. you should be getting fucking paid. Like, that's... Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, the like, the really shitty part about trying to talk about that one point is just broadly talking about, like, the state of federal, federally funded and state-funded education. It's bad. It's so deep of a conversation because yeah. there's union talks. There's, like, a possible restructuring of how the whole system works because right. it's obviously been taken advantage of for a long time. There, Why is it that the most common story I hear from teachers is having to go out and buy fucking school supplies on their own dime? Right. That is the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Well, and we used to, I remember when I was in school, not to interrupt you, but I remember when I was in school, like we got, uh, yeah, I'll take another one. We got a list every year, you know, of things that we were supposed to buy to like to start the school year, which yeah. which is seems normal like at the time, you know. But I also Gotta buy your school supplies, bro. Yeah, but I also kind it's of feel shopping like season. <laughs> but I also kind of feel like that shit should be there, you know. And like I remember, we were all asked to buy a box of tissues, right? Yes, and bring them in because because there weren't tissues at the school. Because the school were, cannot afford tissues. to buy enough tissues. Yep. So we were asked what to the bring fuck? boxes of tissues and shit like that that were going to be used by everybody all year because yep. there wasn't enough at the school. You yeah. know, and I always, I, I don't know, it was normal at the time, but I think that's weird now, you know, that like I'm, I'm buying janitorial supplies because mm -hmm. there's not enough money in the school budget to have actual like genuine tissues, you know, there. Yeah. Fucking Belch and Beaver, man. Yes. You guys make yeah. a quality product here. Yeah. So I thought that that was like really interesting, you know. You know and um, I, I said but, something earlier about how like it hurts my libertarian values or whatever to talk about this, but realistically – like, I'm a realistic libertarian, yeah. you know? Like, I know we're going to have some government-run agencies and departments yeah. 
regardless, right? And Department of Education is always going to be one of those. And all I want to do is if the federal government and the state governments combined are going to be working on this and running this thing, let's just hold them to a high standard. Yeah. And let's make sure that the job they're doing is a product that we are willing to buy into. Because we buy into – we directly buy into public education through taxes. Fuck yeah, dude. So this is also why we have PTA – yeah, this is why we have the PTA and this is why we have school boards and there have to be public hearings and all that because it well, is we have public money. Happens there, yeah. But how much do we really? And that's the really fucked up part because you have to get through the through the board essentially. You have to get through the the superintendent and you know all these different things. You have to get through that bureaucracy to try to make any changes. Yeah. And it's just so fucking hard to do, but if this is going to be a sector where the government has to make your iPhone, it's the only one on the market. We need to be able to to hold them accountable to creating a quality product that we are willing to put our money out there yeah. for. And this, and her, I think it's a good idea, but it, you need to go a lot further than just yeah, we're just going to give them more money. Well, and especially the way that I so I can let me speak from personal experience for a minute, right? Okay. So I went to Olympic High School, and then not far down the road is Central Kitsap High School, right? Mm-hmm. Super close, five minutes from each other. Vastly different schools, right? Central yes. Kitsap High School has way more money that gets pumped pumped into it, right? So I know for a fact, and I'm sure that it's this way now, but I know for a fact it was when I was in school that like the better the test scores were in the school on average, the more money got sent there, right? Yeah. So there were better test scores at Central Kitsap High School, so they always got more money. Mm-hmm. So parents kept sending their kids – they would drive their kids to CK out of the area of the school they should have been. In a lot of cases, Olympic High School, they would drive them to CK to go to this school, right? So I think it was our junior year, and Jordan was the library assistant at the time, right? They were taking our new books from Olympic High School – rebranding them and like respawning them and shit and sending them to CK High School for the kids there. Our brand new books, taking them out of Olympic High School, taking our fucking computers, lost a whole computer lab while we were there. Computers got sent to CK. Got a new one now, baby. Right. <laughs> so there's a, yeah, there's a new one now, but you're welcome. But, <laughs> but, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's shit like that, that the high school that I, that's oh, the yeah. district I was in. That's the area I was in. That's the bus that I took there, right? Grew up with a single parent. She, she couldn't drive me to a different school because she had to go to work. work. Didn't have money to go to a private school. So that's the school that I had to go to. Why should I get a shittier education 10 minutes down the road than other kids who live down the fucking block from me? Because my mom can't afford to drive me to school and pick me up every day. Like, why Mm -hmm. should that be the case? You know, there's no fucking reason for that. Those kids live in the same town. I went to junior high with them. But they're going to a better high school than me because their parents can take them there or they live in a, a different side of town, live whatever across the, the, the street. Is. So you have a different fucking And I know why, zip code. why should that be the case? Yep. You know, I don't understand. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You know, uh, so to pivot, to pivot off of us jointly fixing the entire education system, um, there was one other thing that I had forgotten. And she said it right in the beginning of her podcast, um, with NPR. And it was that she said that we need to lift up people in this country that make less than $100,000 a year. (laughs) I'm going, okay. (laughs) Kamala, I know, or Kamala, 
Camilla? Camilla. Yeah. I know that your perspective on the world and like how people live and every day and stuff is you have no concept and are not Dude. in touch with that on any sort of level. 100, but $100,000 a lira is a shit ton of fucking money, That's sweetheart. Cash, okay, bro. That is a lot of fucking money. Yeah. That tells, that doesn't, okay, yeah. I mean, I'm down with that. Let's totally do that. But you might want to lower that down to like 60K. Right. Maybe. Right. Let's make it a little bit more realistic. The people that are making $100,000 a year, I don't you're know. You're doing fine. You're doing all right, bro. I mean, solid middle class. You know, two dude. house income making 50 Gs each. Solid middle class living, dude. You, and, you're doing all right. And at that point, you're not worried about affording a one-bedroom apartment. Like that's no. Because immediately after that, she's like, we need to lift up people who make less than $100,000. She said and 99% then, of the counties in yes. the country, <laughs> a minimum wage worker yeah. cannot afford a one-bedroom apartment. Well, guess what? <laughs> Those two things are so different. They're totally different. <laughs> yeah. One of them is a little truer than the other because the other one's just a happy thought. But right. no, I'm totally on board with this whole thing. I don't know if that 99% thing is totally accurate. I'm, I'll have to give you the benefit uh, of the doubt. From what I understand. But yeah. I know looking at 99% of our county, I will tell you right now that a minimum wage job will not buy you a one-bedroom apartment. Right. You will have to have roommates. But that is a big issue. So I'm glad she said that. But yeah. she just touched on it and went on. And then she's... <laughs> And let me ask you about but something on a personal, $100, a year? A personal note, right? Because I kind of feel like, because I heard that and was like, that's wild, right? Mm-hmm. Like $100,000 is a lot of money. Like that's a shitload of money. So yeah. if you're making 100000 you don't need to be worried about fucking nothing, right? Nope. Unless your expenses are out of the fucking, off Which, the chain. If you're making $100,000 a year and you're, and you're meat struggling, meat, that just means you need to adjust your lifestyle a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's, that's all. That's, that's very different. You're not there out of pure desperation doing right. what you absolutely need right. to. You're obviously so, not. I was thinking, right? And I kind of feel like if you work a full-time job, you should be able to afford a one-bedroom apartment. Even if it's yeah. super small, even if it's really basic, it's you know not shitty because you should have a quality apartment. Mm-hmm. But even if it's mad, if it's the size of this room. You know, that it's a studio apartment, you have a one bedroom, one bathroom, and then a living room with a kitchen and like what the fuck ever, right? I think that's totally legitimate. I think if you're working part time, you should probably have to have a roommate because you're not working full time, you're doing other shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like monetary wise, you shouldn't be making so much that I only work 20 hours a week, Mm -hmm. but I still got this apartment and I'm fucking doing just fine, right? Yeah. I feel like if you're working full time, you definitely should have that. Like however much money it has to be, the minimum wage should be such that if you're working full time, you should be able to afford a, a one bedroom apartment to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I feel very, I feel very stern about that. You know that that feels right to me. That yeah. if, if that's what you're doing, because that's forty hours a week, there's not a lot of time to do other shit. You know, if you're working forty hours a week. I remember you know when I worked saying? forty hours a like, week. And you like, and that's that's a whole other. Deal, but that's right? still but, a lot of time. Right. You're working nine to five. Right. That is that's your whole fucking day, dude. That's a lot of time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I've I to be able to not like, have a place to go home to for those fucking right. four or five hours you have free in your day. That's but you don't need to make a hundred thousand dollars a year at mm-hmm. your full time job to be able to afford a one bedroom apartment. No, there's a that's, vast divide there. Yeah, you need to make 
Because uh, if I, with the amount of money I make now without disclosing it, if I mm-hmm. was single and lived by myself, I could have an apartment and I would be totally fine. Yeah. But with a wife and a child, I've, I can't, I, I'm lucky that I live where I live. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's a great situation. You know what I'm saying? And but, when a mortgage is less than a one bedroom apartment rent, we right. know there's a problem. Right. And oh, so there well, obviously I, is a massive yeah. problem somewhere. I bought a small home because it's cheaper than, you know, fucking living in an apartment. Like, yes. That does not make any sense. You fa- know? It is almost half the price in some cases, depending on what you find. Around. Housing market around here is fucked right now. My but. mom's shitty apartment is like like 1200 a month. Yeah. Like for a shitty apartment. That'll like, buy you a livable apartment yeah yes yeah that it's livable but it's not it's i don't want to live there you know and my mom doesn't like living there but that's like Mm -hmm. it's crazy especially in this area the housing prices and the rent prices are in fucking sane to live at the nice apartments like the olympic village ones over by fucking like on fairgrounds and shit those ones are like 15 1600 a month Mm -hmm. for like a good apartment you know that's fucking crazy and that's like old good that's that's not like new right those have been there the whole time that i've been like a grown yeah enough to remember those have been there so they're at least 15 years old, at the minimum, probably closer to 25. When you're driving, you know where Sonic's at, right? Yes. And you're, so at Sonic, go through the light, going down Viking Way. Yes. There's those that brand new condominium yeah, yeah. apartment complex. You're talking like $1,800 for one That's bedroom. absurd. That is more – we had a beautiful split-level home that was three-bedroom, three-bathroom, fucking awesome, huge backyard, huge front yard. Our mortgage was less money than that. Yeah. And the home that I grew up in and went to school in, our mortgage was less than $1,800 a month. And that was like bought during the housing crisis when everyone was getting fucked in their homes and the and the mortgage was less than that. That's fucking insane. Yep. That is fucking insane. That is crazy. So she makes valid points. She's maybe not the best conduit for them to flow, but no. that's all right. She's not really going to get anywhere anyways. It's weird. The that poll numbers are, are crazy like, right now. People are like, I want more experience in a politician. I'm gonna vote Kamala Harris. Yeah, you know? right. Like I don't you know she's been doing this for like three years, right? Like you know that she just got here. Like she talks really good because she's been a lawyer for fucking like twenty <laughs> exactly years. What it is. But she's only been here for just a minute. Like not just a lawyer. She a sits prosecutor. on the end of the panel for a reason, right next to Cory Booker, because yeah. he's just you know, more veteran than her. Like, she's on the end for a reason, man. She's fucking new. Yep. Like, she's uh, she's still a fucking freshman senator on this shit. Like, Which, there is something to be said about that. We had this discussion with Morgan, right? There, There is something to be said about freshman yes. politicians yes. not being afraid new ideas to voice their ideas against the inevitable bureaucracy. Yes. And that's fine, but it's unrealistic. <laughs> I was say, I think I figured out just loosen this top one a little bit and turn it like perpendicular to the table. Big words, like perpendicular. This? Other way, like face it towards me. There you go, parallel to the table. Parallel, not perpendicular. See, I said perpendicular, and you went perpendicular. I meant parallel. Yeah, <laughs> that's so sad. Of course, because I'm listening to what you say. Exactly. I'm trying to follow directions here. 
I no, exist to complicate your life, Donovan. No, Come this on is now. good. Um, so I think that's all I had as far yeah. as that Kamal Harris. Oh, one last oh, thing. Man. This There's, is just a little. She's just so full of. This is just stuff a, to talk a personal about. thing, right? So at the end, they always do the you know can't let it go, right? That's yeah. NPR's. So sh- they asked her what her guilty pleasure was, and she's like, "My guilty pleasure is cooking. I love cooking. I love cooking. I love cooking." Bitch, cooking is not a guilty pleasure. A guilty pleasure is something that you do that is socially acceptable, but you probably shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? I like to eat mini Oreos in a cup like cereal. Uh, That's a guilty pleasure. It's socially acceptable because people are – because the same thing. You're like, damn, that sounds fucking good. Super bad for me. Probably shouldn't be doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's a guilty pleasure. There's a reason you feel guilt. And there's a difference between like a fucking – like a sexual kink or something, you know, and a guilty pleasure. Like there, and she went on like the other end of like, that's just a thing you like to do. Like, that's I like not, to pretend that I'm Martha Stewart. And I will say, that's just a thing you like to do. I've like, seen like some of the, the stuff she puts out. And I don't know how it tastes, but just judging from the, the what she does and like the preparation, of it, she knows what the fuck she's doing in that kitchen. Paul Harris? Yeah. yeah. She looks like, that's what's up. She's a mean cook, man. And no, no shade. So maybe that's not something that's a guilty pleasure. That's all. That's what I'm saying. Unless you're doing that shit when you should be doing your job, then maybe you could feel guilt about it, and that's my guilty pleasure. I like to yeah. I like to slack on my job because I like to cook every night or something. She's like, like I'm carrying iPads around trying to read recipes to fucking to make for my friends. That's not a guilty pleasure. That's just a thing you like to do. Just I don't know, you know? If I wish that one of these people would just be like, dude, you know. Every couple of weeks, I blast Fatty J, and that, <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure. It's like just every couple of weeks, just every once in a while, I just need a fucking toke, or you know, and I'm good. Something like, that's like genuine, at least. Like, dude, I got a problem with like as soon as I can, I sit down, me and my husband, and we binge watch the shit out of some fucking crappy TV show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's like that realistic shit her talking about cooking is just going really you're you're just so perfect that the only your guiltiest pleasure is cooking yeah i get it but you're so fucking be, cool be more real bro yeah no that's i don't ask i didn't like that at all that's okay she's not gonna but that's uh that's just a personal quirk so what was the last thing that you wanted to make sure that we got to contempt contempt contempt, contempt. right so the U.S. Congress prepares to go to court over civil indictments. Yes. So on the 12th, the House Oversight Committee voted to hold Attorney General Bill Barr and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt for not turning over documents related to the citizenship question on the 2020 census. Shame, right? shame. So, like, just a few hours before this vote happened. And this has been sitting around for a while, right? Yeah. When a few weeks ago they voted and they talked about holding Bill Barr in contempt of Congress for not releasing the underlying evidence from the Mueller report, right? Mm -hmm. Which it is important to note has since been turned over, or at least part of it has been turned over. 17,000 documents already turned over. um, I think Jerry Nadler said something to that effect the other day. Yeah. When he was complaining about not getting documents for other things. Yes. That is outside the Mueller report. And that's what the problem is. Jerry Jerry Nadler and then also... uh, Chairman White Cunningham. Cunningham, Cunningham, yeah. um, In the... White House's... In the Oversight Committee. Oversight. Yeah. No, no, no. White House is a senator, and that Mm -hmm. is in the Judiciary Committee for the Senate. This is in the Oversight Committee in the House. And that's... Elijah Cunningham. Yes. Um, 
See, and there's too many rock is, stars, bro. Yeah, yeah. And he was the one that was more vocal about the documents with Jeremy Nadler. Mm-hmm. But they got these documents and they're like, oh, but most of these are already public privilege. You know, they already they've seen him. A lot of them are like print offs from the internet and blah blah blah. And it's like, I, I don't know. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a whole deal, right? It's so, all classified and stuff, so we don't actually know right. what we're arguing over. So so hours before the Oversight Committee met to hold Bill Barr and Secretary and ex-Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt, there was a notice from the DOJ that the president was invoking executive privilege on these documents and on the subpoenas. And they're like, you don't need to say shit. We don't need to give you anything. We're keeping this all, Right. And this is to that alleged email yes. talking about the census question of citizenship and right. being key for Republican favoring of redistricting or something right, like that. right. Because there, yeah, I don't remember where, where they said that it came from originally, but the email came out that it came from Wilbur Ross instead, and mm-hmm. he was the one that originally planted the idea of the sense of the census question um, having to do with citizenship, right? So they voted, and they voted in favor of holding. Bill Barr and Secretary and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross in contempt of Congress, right? The weird thing, yes. I'm sorry, because it's not exactly contempt of Congress, though. No. It's it's a it's it's not a criminal situation. This is a right. civil Yeah. Right. They, so now they're able now to sue them in civil court for these documents. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the justification of their subpoena power in a way. Right. And that's because – and they have to do it in civil court because when they were talking about it originally, I believe it was in the Senate, when they were first talking about holding Bill Barr in contempt of Congress, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, shit. If we do that, we're actually just recommending charges to the Department of Justice because those are the people who pursue these charges – Bill Barr leads the Department of Justice. He's not going to pursue charges against himself for contempt of Congress. Yeah. This was a waste of our fucking time. So we got to go the civil exactly. route so we can take it to court. Exactly. And that because that's the only thing that's been working for them is taking mm-hmm. things to the court to try and enforce their subpoena powers. Because anytime they talk about subpoenas other than that, the president says, fuck you. That person's not coming in. Yeah. You know? So And I think this is an this is an apt look at how this this balance of power and these checks on power were made to work yeah and this this there's a reason that you can't do that because yeah how the hell is the department of justice supposed to sue themselves right. for it's no because so you not have to have that. the third yeah. branch come in to mediate the the dispute between the two other branches exactly because it would even be a conflict of interest to try and have the deputy attorney general rod rosenstein pursue charges against his boss, the attorney yeah. general, you know, that you can't find a single person in that department who's going to be able to pursue charges against no, Bill Barr. It does so, not make sense. So you have to go the civil route. That's the only thing that's working, especially when they meet this this problem of executive privilege on all these documents and all these testimonies, right? So there's it's 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 a lot. Yeah, yeah. And especially if, like we talked about last week, if they're not looking to go down the route of impeachment, this is the only way they can continue to go, right? Yep. And another reason I've had it written down for a couple of weeks, but another reason that oh, – I love the stack me. of paper notes. It's just getting <laughs> Yeah, thicker. yeah. Um, there, I'm thinning them out slowly. Because at least we were um, able to check off China last week, man. Right, It's been right. like a six-month buildup. Um, I wrote it down a couple of weeks ago that – Nancy Pelosi is concerned that even if they do impeach President Trump, 
that he won't peacefully transition power. And even if there's an election that's close, she's concerned that he won't peacefully transition power, right? That's Which is stupid, but there yeah. was some concern when the 2016 election happened that if he lost, he wouldn't concede peacefully because he said that. He yeah. said that he was going to try and pursue, you know, recounts and all that shit if he won by a small yeah, which margin is a or whatever. Totally different thing than not giving up power peacefully. Right. Just the right. that's. I mean, we saw that with the the W Gore election. It right. just never right. seemed to end. And so that's that's her justification, right? Yeah. Is that we've already heard him talk about this. We've seen this happen before. That he said he won't do it, and so you know we don't know. If there's a close election, that he'll even do it. And we don't know if we impeach him, that he'll actually, you know, that he'll resign or anything. Because because certainly if they were able to get it done in the House, you know, and it got pushed over to the Senate, then at least you have some real heat under the president's ass. They're like, we recognized it. Like, it's here. Yep. You've been impeached in the House. Like, it's now to the Senate for them to do their investigations, which they wouldn't do, you know. But he then is is faced with the decision that Richard Nixon was to resign, right? Yeah. And at that point, I think that there's a serious question whether or not he would do that, you know? Probably but, not. But especially since they're they're so out for blood in this case. The right. fact that Nancy Pelosi said last week or the week before that she would like to see Donald Trump in prison. Right. And I'm going, wait, wait. Hmm. Well, and Kamala Harris has said the same thing, you know. Yeah. They are all these candidates are talking about the 10, you know, verified instances of obstruction of justice that were laid out in the Mueller report. And I, like I said, from what I understand, there are, there is legal standing that if he was a regular citizen to charge him with obstruction of justice. It's only because he's a president that it's like real murky waters, yep. you know. But so no one is willing to try and do it. Right. And that's – Just do it. If you right. know that you can do it because – and that's, if you don't know that you can do it, quit fucking talking about it. And that's why I'm in favor of the impeachment inquiry that we were talking about yeah. last week. That like I don't see any problem with that at all. Grow that's some stones, not, right? Stand up for what you believe in if you actually believe in it. It's a half a step in that direction, right? Yep. It's not a full step to impeachment. It's a half a step. Like, listen, let's just start looking. You know, if we find some shit that we think we're going to find here, then we will press on with impeachment. Yep. But then that's just going to give you more. I don't. It, it. I feel like an impeachment inquiry just reinforces the subpoena power that you're trying to do right now. That yeah. just gives It'll you just more it. oomph. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, exactly. What are you conducting these investigations for? If you are not willing to pursue impeachment, what the fuck are you trying to do? Nothing but partisan services. That's yeah. all that this is, and that's and, all that it's. That's that what will it's not, able to be argued that it is. How can it do anything but help them in the in the civil process? Right. If they start to at least open the inquiry into impeachment. Right. Because then it shows the court that you are serious about this. You believe this is happening. This is not just political hackery. Right. But I haven't seen anybody willing to step up to the plate. And I don't – I mean, they have – the House is where it begins. I mean, it can begin in the Senate, but it won't. So, the House is where it needs to begin because they have the numbers to do that. They – Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She can put it to the floor, but she won't do it. Right. Don't ask. It's just it's the the number. You know, like we said, the numbers aren't there, and that's because why it's bad politics. Yeah, the numbers aren't. It's there. bad politics. It's a too risky election. They don't want to try to do what they quote unquote feel is right. Yeah. Because they're worried about the next election and losing the impeachment hearing. Right. If you are, yeah, I, I've already said it. Just. If you truly believe it, 
you need to do it anyways, even if you're going to lose. Be about it, dog. Stand up straight yep. with your chest out, we'll just ready talk to about take it, on the it. world. Yep. That's it. That's all I have as far as yeah. uh, contempt here. So we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We got a little bit more yeah. time here. So we can talk about, let's see, I have Flint Water here. I have uh, Michael Flynn and I stumbled Gates. upon something else Which that I can school you on. And we can up? just talk about it because I know we haven't yet. Jordan Peterson. Yes. Is the man, he, the myth, the legend. Indeed. He is a part of, and I don't know how much he's driving this thing, but this new social media platform. Signed up for the beta the other day. Boom. Good call. I think I signed up on it with three different email addresses. It's called like We Think, I think. It is called Free Think, Think, I Think. Think, think, think Spot. Spot. That's thinkspot.com. And it is in beta right now, but it is supposed to be a – it's going to be a social media platform where the only censoring that will be done is on content content that violates U.S. law. So, this week, as he made the announcement – and I don't know how this exactly worked out, but the announcement actually came on the Joe Rogan podcast, like on an aside note – from somebody that was a guest on there. And so the quote is, you know, um, on Twitter, JBP tweets out, per the Joe Rogan podcast this week, I'm back in a new platform called ThinkSpot, currently in beta. Get on the wait list here, and he gives the link to it. Um, so I don't know if somebody actually stepped on somebody's toes for the rollout. Yeah. But, and I'm trying to remember who was on. So this is June 10th. Who was on this week? Which episodes came out? I'm not sure. I'll have to go Do back to and check again. Quick? But I remember oh, hearing it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that. That's that thing that they're doing." Um, because there was brain. yeah, there was a few people on there this week. But I don't exactly totally remember, but either way, it's coming out. And so I just for shits and giggles, uh, I want David to see- Pakman was on on the fifth. Okay. And he is a television and radio host, political commentator, and YouTube personality. It's very annoying. Um, and then Naval Ravikant was on yeah. the fourth, Eddie Bravo on the fourth, and then Greg Fitzsimmons was on May 31st. So, okay. Yeah, it was one of those guys that they had, I think it was the, uh, the political commentator guy. He's, yeah. He's kind of one of those progressives that's not super into the, he's like a, a farther to the left than Dave Rubin. You know, progressive. You know, he's kind of a a wannabe Brett Weinstein type of progressive, right? But young guy, political host stuff. He's probably the one that that talked about a little bit. But it's coming out. It's officially in beta, and I decided to Google it to see what the journalistic response was. And God we'll just damn. say hit piece after hit piece after hit piece, really after hit piece. Of course, the Daily Wire wrote a. Nice article about it. <coughs> and then surprisingly, oh, and it's not the one. Oh, The Guardian. Yeah, they fucking, they called him like an alt-right supporter and all this good stuff. I think that's so weird. And my other one didn't yeah. show up. But The Washington Examiner was the other positive piece. And it was an opinion piece in The Washington Examiner. And I want to say, I'm not remembering offhand, but I think The Washington Examiner is a pretty conservative paper, yes. if I remember right. So it wasn't surprising to me there, but everybody, partisan lines, whether or not it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, 
Um, but it's something to really look forward to, I think. There's uh, Sargon of Akkad, apparently, is one of the... Uh, Carl Benjamin, you remember yeah, him? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, he's one of the people that's leading. He's one of the, the first people, I think, I kind of liked him, you know? He's, he's really he's, interesting. Yeah, I, that's kind of where I really started to learn about, like, classical liberalism was when I heard his interview yeah. on Dave Rubin, like, the OG one. And I was like, I think that I kind of fuck with that, you know? Like, I think yeah. I like that idea. He's kind of extreme sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like his, like, base ideas, yeah. you know? And he comes from a totally different political leaning, like right, a whole right. being different from, compass being, being from, from the, the UK. EU. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so his version of liberalism is a little different than ours, and so right, on and so right. forth. But it's something really interesting if you're interested in, you know, good old fashioned free spirited, you know, free speech conversation. And yeah, no fucking punches pulled or anything. Do you know that's going to be the spot to go? I on, think it's going to be a subscription service, though. Really. Which I would I'm pay totally okay with. Maybe a nominal fee. I don't. It depends. I would have to look at it and test it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm not willing to pay for Twitter or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Cheap ass. And I'd be interested to see how it gets used. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? If the only thing that's being banned are things that are illegal in the United States, I'm interested to see the crowd that goes and uses it. You know? And I think if you put um, up. Because it obviously, right? Because it obviously has the potential to not to interrupt you. It obviously uh-huh. has the potential to turn into whatever those weird offshoots of Twitter and shit like that are. Four chan and like five chan, those weird fucking things that people it's go offshoots on. Offshoots of Reddit, right? But well, no, no, no. There's ones for Twitter too that I just really? can't remember the name of. Yeah, I can't remember what the, what it's called. Um, I remember somebody but, on Joe Rogan was talking about a. Uh, exactly. a social platform they had. Yeah. It was like a Twitter Instagram mix. Exactly. And it then wasn't there's going anywhere. But I know and then there's also like 4chan or about 5chan is mm-hmm. apparently a fucking thing. Like all these weird offshoots that have way less restriction that people share more extremist shit on. You oh, know? Yeah. So it obviously has the potential to go there. And that's I'm sure how it's being made out in all of these fucking super left wing articles is that, Oh yeah, it's gonna be oh, a cesspool of fucking hate. Oh, yep, for mm-hmm. white supremacy and nationalism and that's yeah. Nationalism is a whole other conversation that it still confuses me today to hear people talking about nationalism. You know what I'm saying? And like, nationalism is conflating it a bad with thing. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's called patriotism. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, um, it's another word for it. So I am interested to see how that turns out. So you there's know what I'm saying the idea of a paywall. Yeah. Right. That might be a thing. And right. I am somebody that's totally willing. You are. 2019 to put my money where my mouth is and I will support the shit out of them on that platform especially because I would love to get on that platform and it's an invite only and situation. I think, I think if I feel like I'm gaining something from it then I'm willing to pay money for it you know but like I wasn't Tell him Steve Dave is the only Patreon that I subscribe to that I pay money to because mm-hmm. I get enormous amounts of enjoyment out of listening to Tell him Steve Dave. You know, yeah. like I like listening to Dave Rubin and all that shit, but I don't listen to it frequently enough or I feel like gain enough from it to pay him money. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm willing to listen to the ads that he does and use that as payment for like yes. getting that, but I don't feel the need to pay you out of my pocket every month for what you're doing. Yeah. So I don't agree with you often enough. Because if you we're know what I'm if we're rolling the ad model, which most places do, yeah. we generally accept that as our payment and move on. Right. Right. Whereas if I I don't see I have a weird kind of relationship with this, maybe. And I think it's just because I'm getting older. Yeah. But if I watch somebody religiously, 
if mm-hmm. I listen to somebody religiously, if I utilize something that I want to support them in, right? I will dole up, and there was a period when I was spending about a hundred bucks a month on various creators on Patreon. <sighs> spread out. That's crazy. five bucks here, ten bucks here, five bucks here. I That's want to get crazy. on that tier, so I I'm gonna spend that. fifteen yeah. bucks. Right. And but that to me, I square that away with, you know. No, I enjoy what these people do, and right. I understand how much time and effort goes into to produce something of right. middle quality alone. And they're doing big things, and they have staff, small staffs, but they have to pay for those. I want to do my part in supporting that small business and to supporting that creator yeah. because that's what I want people to do to us. And I think I would be a massive hypocrite if I was not able – to put my money where my mouth was yeah. and do that. It's a reason why I pay for Hulu. I pay for fucking Netflix. I pay for Amazon Prime. I pay for fucking HBO Now. Yeah. I pay for all these things, even though it. I don't think you can do it these days, but like, you know, it used to be you could just get your friend's fucking password and shit and, and just yeah. use it. But when I'm f- totally okay with paying for it because I utilize those services and I want to be able to provide the end creator with my dollar so they can right. keep doing that. Right. And I think that's just I used to be the same way. I ain't listening to it if it's not for free. I'm not watching that shit if it's not for free cuz I'm not paying you my fucking money. When but I now I have a different, you know, view of it. I think that like I'd be more willing to subscribe to like the Daily Wire or something than to like I said like Dave Rubin, you know, because Ben yeah. Shapiro I'm listening to every day that I'm getting news from Ben Shapiro, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so you see, Dave Rubin, I I have the ad model in my mind because I that's don't why, listen to it religiously, right? And that's why, like, I pay for for you know, like, we I get a New York Times subscription, you know, yep. so I can read as many articles as I want online. Like, I'm willing to pay for things like that because there's information I'm drawing from it regularly. Yeah, and I do. I think I, I don't know. I don't pay for Ben Shapiro because he does a free episode, and I don't the other things I yeah. don't need to listen to his extra two hours or anything, you know, because I feel like I get enough. From his one hour. A lot of it is repeat. Right. A lot of it is repeat. And I, because he's doing it every day, you know, three hours is a long time. I imagine when we're going every day, we'll do about an hour every day. You know what I'm saying? Because there's. God damn it. I got to pee. I've been holding it for a while. We can can do it. We can take a break. Should we take a break? We have to take a break forever. So what you can do, you can slide in the little ad read right here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it has to be. First week's got to be at the front end. Oh, okay. All right. Next week. We can put it anywhere we fucking want. There we go. (laughs) After that, yeah, you can play a nice undertone of our theme song. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's nowhere like near how our theme song works. No, not at all. We're gonna we're we're like '80s sex theme. We're gonna hit a break real quick. We're both gonna go pee, and we will be right back to finish up a couple more topics, sports, and we're gonna get the fuck out of here. Peace. Welcome to the south of the streets, coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information, and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation. With real talking, real topics, real people, real problems, think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Cause right, that's what, what's that? Uh-oh. Let's get ready. We should do it again. Yeah, I don't think so. That was a good one. That was a healthy, healthy belch. Yeah. So on that note, welcome back to the Salt of the Street Podcast, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about next, man? Just finish up our JBP. We hit Kamala. Let's Harris. talk about the Flint water crisis. All right. Let's talk about Flint water, right? Because I think this is something that is discussed, I think, semi-inaccurately, fairly regularly. 
Right. Okay. Uh, from, if it's discussed at all anymore. Right. From what I it's it is mentioned offhandedly frequently, I guess I yeah. should say. Right. Um so what was it just yesterday, right? That that in Flynn, Michigan, uh all the charges were dropped except for the people who were already in, in jail. Um nope. there was eight more sets of charges that were dropped against different county and state workers that had part in the fucking of the people of Flint, Michigan in regards to the water. Right? Like literal. Yes. Like this is um you remember this shit. This was a while ago, but it nightmarish conditions where you turn the tap on, you could there's so much gas and shit flying through there, you could let a f- match on it, it would spit fire. I mean twelve was- children died of Legionnaire's disease from straight fucking lead poisoning in the pipes, right? I mean this so, is yellowish it's so yellow it's almost orange. In twenty fourteen, yeah, the government decided the local government of Flint decided to switch the water from from a, to a new source and the lead going on with the pipes from that source just fucking poisoned everybody, right? Yeah. So now, right, as it sits now, from what I understand, the water source has been switched back, right? So it's back to the original source and home water in the vast majority of Flint tests at above safe drinking levels, right? However, the public lines that go to like businesses sometimes and shit like that are not clear and yep. they're still being tested and they're leaching into other people's water and that's how they can still be tested dirty with lead, right? But the people's, the residential pipes are fixed. It's the leaching of the lead from other pipes that are close to the residential, the residential pipes that are leaving the trace amounts of lead in there, right? And the people obviously don't trust the government that exists there because obviously. they've already been fucked. For great and, reason. And they're still being told to use the government water filters that they were given, right? So, of course, they don't think that the water is clean because they're still being told to use the filters, right? So, like I said, it's mentioned offhandedly, consistently – Flint still doesn't have clean drinking water. The people of Flint still don't have clean drinking water, right? It happens all the time. People mention it offhand and they're just yeah. like saying it things. So it's, it's like it's, they'll tie it on the end of some fucking activisty line or whatever. And, be, and the people of Flint still don't have drinking water that's clean. Two years ago at the correspondence dinner, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Wolf, she yep. did her whole thing, grilled everybody to that shit, and then she ended. Flint still doesn't have clean water. Like, that's how she ended her deal. I remember that. I was listening to the fucking Dax Shepard podcast just not that long ago. And they offhandedly mentioned, yeah, no, and those people still don't have clean water, you know? And it's so, so it's like a half truth, right? And that's, I'm not trying to, I'm not saying all these people are bitching about fucking whatever. Like, I'm not, we have really great water in Washington State, at least in this area particularly. We are super lucky with excellent fucking drinking water. Do you want public Um, water at your, your place? Yeah. Oh, word. I'm yeah. on a well system, baby. Oh, and, and it's super easy to dig a fucking well in, on your property. Like, you yeah, just... Sometimes. In yeah. most places here. Yeah. It's, it's easy so, to it's like, easier to drill one. Yes. Sometimes your neighbor, you'll have to drill down like 50 feet. Sweet. Yeah. So, and then you start to try to dig a well on your lot. That's like, well, we're at 150, bro. And we haven't hit shit. Right. So, right. you sure you want to shell out another yeah, right. like, 20 so, grand for this? Generally... It's pretty easy to find a well yeah. on most properties here in Washington. Yeah. In some places, you can't do that at all. Right. You have to right. rely on public water. But in a lot of places, that's a lot of places where you buy a big chunk of land, you're like, all right, well, let's fucking dig a well somewhere. Let's like, do let's, it, baby. We'll find one, you know? Let's so, get the shovel and the pickaxes, baby. Right. Right. Which is 
which is pretty rad. Um, yeah. But no, yeah, not that. <laughs> Nobody but does being that Being able anymore, to find wells, that is rad is what I'm saying. So, um, <clears throat> so like I said, it's, it's a half-truth. I don't think it's an intentional lie, you know, yeah. but it's, it's a half-truth because – most of the residential drinking water in Flint is testing at safe levels. Um, like I said, it's a leaching from the public pipes and from all that other shit that is leaving the trace amounts of lead yeah. and people being told to continue to use their filters. That's making them not trust the fact that their water is clean. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no doubt that it was greed or whatever on the government side, you know, that led them to this and that poisoned these people and led to the death of those children. Yeah, it was like um, the perfect combination of like bureaucratic laziness and right. just like, well, we're let's we're not gonna deal with this because, and like total legit corruptness. Right. Cause there wasn't even like like there wasn't like kickbacks, right? Like it was just it was just like, well, let's, you know, let's cut from the fucking budget. We'll yep. just go here. We know that, you know, that the pipes will need to be redone, but you know, we'll it'll be fine. fine. Like, you know, it'll we be just fine. won't worry about it. Like, so <clears throat> yeah, because it's not even like I said, it's not even like there was people that received kickbacks from another company for switching yeah. the water. Like it was just shittiness and it's laziness. Like, Why did you do this? Yeah, you had no incentive other than just being a kind of a generally shitty human. And but the big news, because even though that is a thing, and you know, like you said, it is getting better. Yeah, which is good. But the, there's an interesting thing going on with the legal case, and that is that earlier this week, prosecutors dismissed all charges in the Flint water investigation. And so I saw that headline. And I was like, wait, pause button. What the fuck's going on? They're going to get out of this? So I started to read into it, and I started looking yeah. into it, and it's not exact. It's kind of a clickbait headline. Yes. It is true that this this did happen, but it's kind of – in what we call a judicial reset. And so they're going to be re-looking at the case. They're going to come right back to it due to... There's a new attorney general and a new lead prosecutor um, that... Or district attorney, that's what it is. A new district attorney and a new um, attorney general that are in Flint. And that's so they drop the charges so they can reconfigure their case and then... Recharge yeah, better, which I guess is is kind of weird. Um, and we could like to do that completely to drop it and then reissue mm-hmm. new charges, but um, that's what they felt was what's best to do. So these people are not getting off. They're not, you know, it's not like nothing is happening. It's just that for now, until they decide what they're going to charge these people with. I know one person. Nick Lyon, the former director of Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Baller name, um, by the way. Yeah. He was facing charges of involuntary manslaughter in regards to the Flint water crisis. And so the charges against him were dropped, but I'm sure that something else will be – I'm sure he'll be charged again with something else, you know? Mm So The office – so this is coming from Slate. So, I mean, it is what it is, but they're one of the few people that are actually reporting on it. And they said that the office – uh, the Attorney General's Office of Michigan um, said that the decision arose from problems with the investigation and that several years after the charges were filed, it may reopen the case again, um, some or all of the previous def- – with some of the all or previous defendants at a later time. So yeah. it sounds like they're just going to regroup, figure out how we're going to best take this case forward and then re- represent. Yeah. Which I think is totally legit because there was never any kind of ruling – on this particular part of the investigation, right. this this particular case, uh, which I think is kind of a generally 
normal judicial kind mm. of you know prosecutorial. Well, it's taken a lot of time. <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, because of all the bureaucracy that was tied up in it, it's taken a really long time to try and get all the evidence um, to tie everything together in this case. From yeah. what I understand, so it's you know it, it doesn't seem weird to me that it's taken this long. No. But- yeah, Christ back to 2014. I know that. I know that in the articles I read, the uh, local reaction is not good. You no. know, people are not happy at even the idea of the charges being dropped when people have died. Right? It's because it's not like people just died; as children died, and yeah. there's a special. I mean, you fucked up a lot of people's entire lives, generations, and, and there's a, a special spot that most people have for children and like animals and stuff like that. That when something you know, when you've done something to harm children, it's an extra crime that you've committed because you've done something to someone who has no control really over their circumstances. You know. And so it's it's extra dark that it's yeah. children that have died, you know. So the idea that so we know how you know what a small percentage of America chooses to truly inform themselves on everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the majority of Flint and the majority of the surrounding area and the majority of America, you know, is assuming that these people just got off and oh, well, there goes you know a bunch of more people who are getting off fucking corporate greed and mm-hmm. literally killing people and nothing is going to happen, you know. So. I think that partially it's it's on the responsibility of the media for having reported it this way, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's because Trump is the news now. Exactly. I mean, this was back in Obama era because yep. it first began in 2014 and then they in October 15, they switched back to the Detroit water system, which led to the, the lead levels now becoming within legally safe ranges and – and so this is years old at this point. And these people have been bereft of any kind of reimbursement or any kind of justice, oh. we'll say, since Reparations, is that what you're getting at? No. <laughs> no, I don't say that word anymore. It's like bad. <laughs> Fucking reparations. I'm sure there's at least one person who just, oh, Donovan. Oh. Poor taste. <laughs> <laughs> Poor taste, sir. And that's why you come to Salt of the Streets, <laughs> that's baby. That's why you're here. But, I mean, there's not much more to it. It's just, there's shit going on. It's still not resolved. But keep it keep it in mind, man. Just keep it in mind. Shit like this is still happening. We it's will a long, be tracking slow process. Um, yeah. So, I got, I got at least two more that I can hit. Three more, technically, but... Words. Well, the one that I really want to talk about um, is AOC. Oh, what's up with AOC? Right. Um, well, I sent you that article last week. Shit. Um, that she. Oh no, it's okay. That she wants. Oh yes. Um, you, she wants the pay raise. Yes. She wants a pay raise of. Let's see. It's like fifty two hundred dollars or something like that. Forty five hundred dollars. Um, she said it's like not even like a pay raise. Is it a monthly um, or is that no? That would be uh, that would overall. be yearly, right? Um, automatic cost of living increases were so okay. So let's clarify first. So mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who's a representative from New York State, she has said that she wants what she's calling cost of living increases in the pay. For congressmen, right? For what? for representatives, for senators, for people who work in Congress. Yo, right? cost of living, bro. It's it's hard out here for a player. Right. So automatic cost of living increases were suspended in 2010, and pay hasn't been raised since 2009 
when the members of Congress received a 2.8% increase in their salaries, right? Too much for you. So let's see. If lawmakers had received those annual pay raises, their salaries would currently be around $210,000. Let's see what it is right now. The average salary for senators and representatives is $174,000. There's some people who get paid more if you're the leader of a committee. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, she gets $223,500 a year, right? She's the Speaker of the House. That's It's whatever, right? Yeah. But the Different average, position. yeah, the average is $174,000, which is a fucking pretty good amount of money. For public service. Yes. Interesting. So she Almost is Almost like saying, there's a, a financial incentive into becoming a politician. So she's saying that she's looking for a cost of increased raise because it would then incentivize politicians, congressmen to to not take dark money from lobbyists, from people oh. who have special interests. That's that's part of her argument is that then we have less reason to be taking money from outside sources if we have more money ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's... So I tweeted... It's a problem. Nobody said anything, obviously, because no one gives a shit. But I tweeted <laughs> Alexander Ocasio-Cortez this week, and I said, so you want me to pay you more money to incentivize you to be an honest politician, is yeah. what you're saying to me. Because why should I expect you to just not be taking... Why do I need to pay you more money to not be a shill? And the like, swamp takes What the month. fuck? I don't. You were a bartender five fucking minutes ago, and now you want more money. You're yeah. making probably you're making at least over a hundred thousand dollars a year. No question, right? At least hundred thousand dollars a year. You want more money first fucking term, so you have incentive to not take dark money. So why should I assume that you have not already been approached and are not already tempted to shill for some type of other cause? Because you're asking for more money. Yeah, maybe you think she'd have a little bit more integrity. So you're thinking about shilling already. Alone? Yep. Already? Just because so, $174,000 a year, probably before tax, is not enough for you. So you have to feel like you need more incentive to maintain your integrity as an honest human <clears throat> being and not accept fucking shill money? So this is this is what she said, right? Someone. Someone tweeted Matt Stoller, who I don't know who that is, is like, this is just stupid. You get what you pay for, and if you cut the pay of public servants for a decade, you get bribery and corruption. So she quoted that, and she said, yep, voting against cost of living increases for members of Congress may sound nice, but doing so only increases pressure on them to keep dark money loopholes open. This makes campaign finance reform harder. All workers deserve cost of living increases, including minimum wage workers. So let me ask you where the comparison is between a minimum wage worker and someone who makes one hundred and fifty thousand. I feel like somebody year. that was just a bartender, super weird, um, would probably have a pretty good perspective on what it feels like to be a minimum wage worker who probably mostly just works for under minimum wage, but mostly makes tips. it up in tips. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe we should ask AOC what her finances look like, but. I don't think that's coming because since the day she started to fucking run her campaign, she's done nothing but be a corrupt fucking politician. Yeah. Her campaign her campaign manager is one of the most corrupt fucks who's been investigated more than a few times at yeah. this point and who has siphoned millions of dollars away from her beloved fucking supporters. He's done the same thing, not to interrupt you, but yeah. just to explain. Fucking piece of shit. He's done the same thing essentially 
that Michael Cohen did to pay Stormy Daniels. Yes. He set up an LLC to draw campaign funds out so that he can draw a paycheck from this LLC that they've set up. That's totally legitimate. That's totally, Mm -hmm. totally legitimate. That is actually a thing that has happened. And I can't wait for you to put this video up so that I can pull this clip and I can fucking tweet this out because that's 100% correct. So this week – campaign manager – has set up an LLC and has, is accused and is actively investigated for drawing a salary from this LLC that the money comes from their campaign funds, which are donations, grassroots, right? So it's all from small donations from people, constituents, people who believe in her. She's literally stealing people's money while talking about dark money and asking for more government money so that she has more incentive to not take money from lobbyists and from corrupt people. Mm-hmm. Word. That's a real thing. But we need equality in this country. We need equity. In equity, this baby. Colin, we need we need equity. That's why in this we have country. the Equity Act. Oh shit! Sorry, uh, the Equality Act. Yep. And she, you know, but they made sure to mention <laughs> in this article that you know, oh, but she's willing. She made sure that she pays everyone on her staff at least fifteen dollars an hour. You Congratulations. Word. How's it feel to be a capitalist? Yeah. Word. The thing I was going to say about that. Yes. Is I have nothing else to add because you fucking iced that cake <laughs> perfectly. I was there's there is so and the date was it the daily shit no oh I can't remember what podcast that was I'm gonna have to try to go back and figure it out. There was a series of episodes by a very legitimate podcast that dove into the financial fuckery of yeah, the yeah. AOC campaign. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to say it was. It even might be like, Ben Shapiro. No, you don't think so? Maybe. I think it might Maybe. have been. It might have been. I don't know really anyone else. I vividly remember where that. I was yeah. when I first heard that. And I was driving to the Bainbridge Island Winslow Ferry yeah. to go pick up somebody, maybe. And I just, I remember listening to that on the way going, what the fuck? Yeah. <coughs> I, I think it might have been intercepted, actually. Yes. I think that it was intercepted. It was the intercept. Yeah. That's yep. what I think it was. That's what it was. I was like, no one else. I was like, it was, yeah. it was like the Daily or MP. I was like, right. no, they wouldn't do that. I was like, might have been the like fucking intercepted by it. I from, think it uh, was. Good old Glenn Greenwall. That's just um, crazy. That is crazy. And people just, they're loving her. You know, they're fucking yep. tweeting about her all the time. They're sharing videos of her. They're fucking AOC for fucking president. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't Bro, know. yeah, let's do that. Green Horrible. New Deal all the way. In that, uh, the Seattle Smokers podcast uh, that <laughs> yes. I was listening to. I love those guys. They those try real dudes, hard. <laughs> one of those dudes was like, it's like, I'm behind AOC because she's fine. <laughs> like, word. <laughs> you know, from a podcast that's all about smoking pot. Yeah. This is pot and politics. This is not yes. just pot. But that doesn't surprise me coming from their podcast. Theirs is definitely more pot-based than politics-based. We definitely smoke a lot of pot here. And I really like what they're doing. Yeah. I wish I was in a a realm where I could be like, okay, guys, you come on board with our our brand. Yeah. We come into our network. We like what you're doing. You're very entertaining. We need to hit hit quality and we need to just brush up on some content real quick. Yeah. But other than that, they're very entertaining. That's like that would be the type of thing like like okay, you can do this, but there has to be one person there who's looking up the things you're talking about and yes. making sure that you're saying shit that's correct. Just can't especially because hundred percent, hundred and twelve percent behind the fucking cannabis industry. But yeah, if you're throwing facts and shit out there, you gotta have that shit unlocked. 
Yeah. Because it's all public information, man. It's not that hard to find. It's like a more lax version of, yeah. of like when we sat down and watched the Hall of Fame game. You know, Yes. We, it's like that. And when we're watching TV and talking about it, that's yeah. more of what that show is. God, I missed that. That was so, so much fun. That was a good time. Um, but I was going to say that I think next week is going to be the preview or the first premiere of our clips, our clips. Because that's something we talked about, I think. I don't want to put you on the spot. But I've been getting up extra early every morning, right? And I come out and I do oh, podcast warning. Yes, oh, video okay. clips. Okay. Um, for the YouTube channel. So search out YouTube, uh, Salt of the Streets, and you'll find all of our videos there. And we're going to be slowly introducing clips from the show. Into and our I, social media. And, yeah, especially on the social media. And... uh because they're just so much easier to share. A couple minutes here, share it out there. Yeah. You know, you guys can wet your beak a little bit and it'll uh, it'll chum the waters enough for you to stick around for the whole two and a half plus hour podcast. Um, but I think that's going to be – that AOC is going to be the first clip this week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. So, that's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it because it gives me something to fulfill my creative itch that I keep getting. She's a show, bro. She is a shill, man. Shill. And that's what that speaks to. I don't know if it's a lack of moral character on her part or just a commentary on the de- what being in politics does to a person. You know, I have no – and I would love to be able to sit down one day with Derek Kilmer and just chop it up about his daily life – as a federal representative, how much does it? You know, do you have to pay out of pocket for all your flights? Do you fly first class? How do you how do I you wonder. stay when you go campaigning? You know, where does that come from? How does it work? Does it work for you? Do you feel like you're if you have to pay all that stuff out of pocket and it's not like swiped on a government card? That could add up real quick, especially if you're bouncing around trying to campaign and do that kind of stuff. Um, I wonder how hard it would be to get him. 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. Just like on this show. Like, if we just hit the number, like, hey, when you have time, like, let us know when you have time and one of us can just sit down and do it, you know, and then Mm -hmm. just bring like the audio for it because the chances that it happens on a Saturday is like super unlikely, but it would happen sometime during the week at eight o'clock. Exactly. So I wonder how hard that would be to be like, yo, we're a small podcast, but we're local as fuck. Yeah, and I will drive my ass to Port Angeles or Squim yeah, yeah. or wherever the fuck you live in the state. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I will come find you and I will re- I will sit down with you for ten minutes and ask you questions. Yeah, or you can just do another town hall because that would be fucking sweet. I wonder how Dude, difficult that would be. This is fucked. Okay. Yep. Let me tell you about this. So yes. Podcoin, if you guys don't know from listening to our early ad read, Podcoin, if you sign up. With our promo code, promo code. Yes. Oh my god, I can't talk. Um, if you sign up with our promo code, you get an additional three hundred pod coins, which is a shitload of pod coins. And so I had my brother. I showed him pod coin. I was like, "Hey, dude, the best part is if you sign up with our promo code, you get three hundred free pod coins." Right. That motherfucker just sent me. He is up to 523 pot coins. What the fuck? Because he signed up. Because he used our code? Because he used our code. That's which what's up. is dope as fuck. Salt pod. Salt pod, baby. 
Promo code SaltPod over yeah. at PodCoin. Which you already heard in the ad read this week. But Indeed. <laughs> SaltPod. 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 Damn, that's hella coins, bro. Yeah, so he's Fuck rolling him. the that's coins. That's hella coins. And he's kind of like, he's like even me and you combined when it comes to podcasts. That dude is on the road early in the morning right. till he works sometimes from like 7 to like 8 o'clock at night. Metal work right? and shit. Yeah. And he has podcasts going 24 fucking 7. And another fucking, here's another fucking push for PodCoin, but every <sighs> single podcast I listen to is available on PodCoin. The, I have I get found, there, I get paid for every podcast I listen to now. The only one I haven't of. found is the commentary. Oh, that's on there. It you is? to look for it. Yeah, I'd okay. scroll down a little bit. Oh, okay. I found it. Thank okay. God. Because I died a little inside when Jod Ponhorance and Noah Rothman and the whole gang was not on podcast. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. You had to scroll down, right? It's yeah. weird. But anyway. Well, there you go. Yeah. So that's there. Um so what else you got? I have one more quick one too we can hit if Let's you want. Let's hear it. What's Hong your Kong. One? What do you know about Hong Kong and what's going into Hong Kong? Anything? Um I just so I've been hearing about it, right? But it's I guess bit, I right? just kind of started to realize that like they're almost separate things, like Hong Kong and China. Like they're different, like type of deals almost. Oh, they are. And I didn't really know that. You know, I was unaware um, of any of that. So, so I, oh, I don't know dick about China. In my, you know, my 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 intense relationship with geopolitics. Yeah. Right. And so, Russia is a big thing of mine. Right. China is a big thing of mine now. Uh, cheers. Another fucking habanero cider. Shout out Finn River. <laughs> Um, which we got to take you guys up there one day. It's it's great. It's a good family friendly place too. Let's do it. It's awesome. Um, anyways, Hong Kong has been going through some things, right? So back in 1997, I gotta I'm gonna have to look that one up because I'm gonna sound like an idiot if I didn't get that one right. Um, 97, um, Hong Kong used to belong. So Hong Kong is an island just offshore mainland China, and Hong Kong used to belong to the British. And it was a, it was annexed by the British a long time ago, and back in 1997, it was given back to China. Okay, with a few you said it's caveats. An That's what you said. It's yeah, an it's island? an island. Okay. Yeah, there's a bridge you have to go over to get there. Okay, <clears throat> and I so guess anyways, I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, but. a lot of people don't. Yeah, you know, you ever heard of uh, Laura, Lauren Chen, uh, aka Roaming Millennial? Yeah. So she's originally from Hong Kong. What's that? Lauren Southern, right? No, not Lauren Southern. Lauren Chen. Um. I'll look her up for you. But I thought she, that Lauren Southern was the Roman Millennial. No, Lauren Southern is fucking Lauren Southern. She's whole nother. It's a whole nother shit. It gets yeah. She gets yeah. Oh, okay. There's some dicey kind of like white nationalist type stuff that might yeah, yeah. run through there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, let's see, Roman Millennial. She started out just on YouTube. She's Canadian and. Lauren oh, okay. Chen, yeah. Words. But now she works for, I think, CRTV or something I shouldn't like that. question they, you when it comes it. to YouTube. I, should, I know better. I'm kind of on some of those people. But <laughs> she's from Hong Kong and okay. Canada. But anyway, so, so the British gave Hong Kong back to the Chinese back in 1997. And there was this- How kind of them. Yeah, right. I know. How kind of them. Well, kind of a caveat to them giving it to the Chinese at that point, right, was the fact that- much like Japan, when we kind of handed back over control of Japan after World War II, we said, okay, well, here's the thing. You got to, you guys need a specific type of government that meets these certain criteria. Here's and stuff. the thing. <laughs> yeah. 
And we're not going to let you go full communist on this one, guys. So they drew up what we call the basic law for Hong Kong, which is more or less their constitution. It's very similar to our constitution in a way. And there's a there's a few points in there. Um, Article 27 of the basic law for Hong Kong states that Hong Kong residents shall have freedom of speech, of the press and of, of publication, freedom of association and of assembly, essentially a very... Closely tied to the First Amendment, yeah, in our in our world, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that set them apart from mainland China, which at this time was already a socialistic, you know, more or less communist uh, party-run socialist state, and so they adopted this kind of turn of phrase: "One country, two systems." And so you have Hong Kong, which is this kind of bastion of democracy in China, owned by China. Yeah. But operating as an independent government. Well, over the last week, they tried to introduce this extradition bill, uh, which <clears throat> would allow anybody that the Beijing government from mainland China wanted to extradite. If okay. they wanted them for, for crimes right. against the Chinese state. Um, they wanted to be able to extradite them from Hong Kong, which up until this point was not a possibility. And so it gave... Chinese, mainland Chinese dissenters of the government, the ability to come out, go to Hong Kong, seek refuge, and be able to speak against the the fucked up nature of the Communist Party, China. Like Ai Weiwei. Ai Weiwei. That's a dude. That's a, that's oh, a yes. person. He's an artist. There you go. Yeah. There's a bunch of them that have become... Pretty pretty popular in the Western world for you know speaking against the fucked up policies of communist China. I mean the the People's Republic of China. Yeah, this guy. Oh wait, wait. Chinese you know, a lot of authors, Chinese so. contemporary artist and activist. His father's original surname was written Zhang. So there you go. Very nice. So that speaks to the nature. I mean, there's a lot of people that seek refuge from from mainland China in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. And Article 5 in this basic law for Hong Kong states that the socialistic system and policy shall not be practiced in the Hong Kong Special Administration Region. It's, oh, my God. Hong Kong Special Administrative Region, which is like their governmental form that they take away from, you know, the mainland China uh, Communist Party. Yeah. And the previous capitalistic system and the way of life shall remain unchanged for 50 years, which if you do the math, 1997 is 2047. Okay. But it is something that mainland mainland China and President uh, Xi has been- Xi Jinping? Yes. He has been trying to undermine that since its onset. And the people of Hong Kong saw this extradition bill come up in their government as a way for mainland China to get a foothold in there. And now they can start snatching up all these dissenters and bringing them back and doing God knows what to do with them. Because you got to remember, China is an interesting country. China has control of the nation of Tibet, which is its own – it should be its own separate nation, right? There's the whole Tiananmen Square issue. It goes back a long, long time. But the Chinese own – they have essentially annexed in the Russia Crimea form type of thing, annexed Tibet. Um, there's an entire population Kim. of what they call Uyghur Muslims. Yeah, yeah. That are, you know, they are 
culturally concentration camps. Yes, they're in fucking concentration camps, but they're culturally like a, they're totally separate from you know what you would think. <clears throat> quote unquote, they got pushed to a whole other area, and yes. then they got put in concentration camps, which is a thing that happens to this day. And the Chinese is like, I don't, I don't know anything about that. It doesn't like exist that. in their mind. I've heard that before. You might as well be in yeah. North Korea. There's another country that they have hold of. To. It's not Cambodia, but it's like some. Pretty much, there's another. Uh, is it Cambodia? Shanghai. There's a no, but there's uh, another country Shanghai. like uh there. Well, it used to be kind of like a city state, and it kind of is in this way. What the fuck, am I? Is it Singapore? Of? No, Singapore's a state. Nope, it's not that one. Maybe I'm thinking about like uh, Eddie Wong. Whatever he is, is that? Yes, Eddie Wong. Oh, fucking you Eddie know Wong. what I'm saying? Comedian, right? And chef. Yes. Hunan, the Hunan province. That's an island all to itself. But anyways, you could see the fucking trend here. It's just, you know, China's trying to take over the world. I talked about it last episode. But this is something that that this extradition bill came out into the public. And they're talking about having discussion on it and debate on this. And it's looking like it's going to pass. Yeah. And so the public fucking freaks out and they mob the streets in a... What started as a peaceful protest, but once you add a million fucking people to a protest, shit's going to happen. And so there was some police violence and stuff the other day. And it, regardless, everybody was freaked out. And it looked like Hong Kong was going to go and buy into the mainland China and just become another puppet of the Xi Jinping regime. Right. Early this morning, the chief executive, I believe is what they call her. Let me find her in my notes real quick. Uh, Chief Executive um, Lamb made an announcement and said that essentially they're going to be postponing the bill to allow for further debate and input. And at this point, there has been no timeline set for the bills revisiting. And so at this point, they have tabled, not totally 100%, but they've tabled the debate around this extradition bill. So Taiwan. Looks like Taiwan. There you go. Yeah, Sorry. Taiwan used to be its own thing. Saipan. I promise I was listening to you. I promise. And so yes. we actually had an issue where it looked like China was going to take over Hong Kong. Right. You know, the, the traditional Chinese government. But early this morning, we got some good news. And they're going to table that bill. And it's basically indefinitely sitting people on the People are freaking sidelines. the fuck out, right? There yes, are, because yeah. you're talking an unknown probably thousands of people now that can just be scooped up by the Chinese government, thrown into fucking concentration camps, and disappeared. Until whenever. Yeah, because that's the way the Chinese government does shit. And it looks like democracy got a victory on this one. I watched that Cheers first Cheers to you, democracy. Morning. But this... It was a very interesting thing I heard about this week, and I started to follow it, and I'm going, dude, this is not good. Hong Kong can't go that way. That's like the last bastion of you know Western civilization in the Eastern world. Yeah, that's wild. And thank God it all worked out. So hopefully everybody can rest easy until next time. So 2047. It's Isn't it weird? Does it seem weird to you that in that type of constitution, I guess, if you want to call it that, like that was written up for this transfer of – you know, a nation state put a 50 year deadline on it and said, okay, after 50 years, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it, China. 
Is that um, just is that a long enough period maybe for democracy to take root and fight back yeah. against the socialistic communist government of China? I think that's probably what they assumed is by that point, you know, communism would have died off. But I don't think I also don't think that they assumed China would kind of like hybridize its own form of communism, you know, because they have kind of their yeah, own type of shit that goes on like a capitalistic communism that happens where like, yeah. you know, we, you know, we monitor shit and we have our hands and everything, but also it's like, like a racketeering. If you, you want to start a giant ass company and make a fuckload of money, you should do that. You yeah. know, we you should we, do that. Yeah. We just like, need a cut. Yeah. You just, you hook us we're going to be there we're though, good. you know, like do it. We're just also going to like know about it and stuff. So, oh, yeah. so I think that some I, of the, Later Bourdain episodes where he's in China, yeah. dive into that a little bit. Yeah, when so I he was doing I, a CNN program. I think they didn't consider that that it would work like that. You know that eventually communism would die out there because it sucks, and they would have to go to a democracy. You know, well, especially when but, the way they grew into the monster like economic power they are today, the industrial fucking yeah. com or capitalism, not exactly. communism. They use communism to justify silencing all their dissenters and then just use capitalism to make yeah. a shit ton of money. Yeah. So that'll be something to – hopefully Hong Kong holds out and this thing doesn't pop back up in the future. I thought that was an incredibly interesting story that occupied a lot of my time this week. Fuck yeah. It's a good one. I love democracy rules. I like that shit. Well, uh, if you're ready, then I'm ready to fucking hit sports and then let's do can, it. I think I have one more line from "It's Always Sunny" and then I'll oh, have yeah. to start Just polish them off. Shit. Yeah, I was like, you um, should. I saw an article the other day, and it was like, like the top fifty greatest Trump lines. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, I gotta send that to you, and but I was like, through those, that thing would be so fucking easy. That would be really <laughs> funny. So that would be really funny. <laughs> All right, so sports, sports. So uh, we'll just hit these NFL notes, and then we have some like the NBA finals are over, Stanley Cup finals are over. So yeah. we'll hit those things. So we'll hit these notes first, as far as the NFL. Uh, the Vikings they signed their tight end Kyle Rudolph to a four year, thirty six million dollar deal. There was lots of thoughts that he was going to get traded because they drafted a rookie tight end this year. And, but they ended up fucking signing his ass, and he's good. I I don't know. He gets shit on a lot, but I think the Kyle Rudolph is pretty good. Like he's got good hands, and if you know, I I, I think that he's good. Um, the same signed their DN Cameron Jordan to a three year, fifty five million dollar extension, which is a fuckload of money. Um, the Cowboys tight end Rico Gather will be suspended for the first game of the season for twenty eighteen weed charge, and then the Broncos owner Pat Bowen died at seventy five. So. Jeez, yeah, and which is young, Pat Bowen. Like, huh? Yeah, and yeah, I'm not sure. I wonder if stress died. has a thing to do well, with that. I'm sure Jerry Jones has about a fucking thousand. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Let's see, Pat Bowen. That's who it was. There we go. Oh, Pat Bowen. Pat Bowen. Oh, I must have missed that that L. And let's see. Hey, you know, it happens. Yep. We put we care about the uh, the players and the coaches first. Yeah. The ownership second. <laughs> Pat Bowen. Let's see. I'm not sure. While I'm looking at that, uh, we'll go over the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals, they're over. Uh, Toronto won 4-2. to two. The Raptors. Right. The Raptors won. First which, uh, time yep. ever. First time. Yep. And they beat the Warriors, which they got three in the last four years, I think. I mean, they're fucking amazing. KD was out. Uh, there's Kevin Durant yeah, for yeah. people that don't speak yep. NBA. People have been fucking... 
shitting all over the Raptors because not all the players were playing for the Warriors and stuff. Clay Thompson was out. Kevin Durant yeah. was out. So Kevin Durant, Achilles is at risk of missing the entire 2019, 2020 season while recovering from a ruptured right Achilles. There was a video of it. Um, oh God, I don't want to watch that, dude. You could see oh. like he put, he planted his foot and then you could see. His Achilles like snap up into his no. calf, and then his calf like wiggled from Ugh. the force of his Achilles snapping. I yeah. can't, I can't, dude. It was fucked up. Yeah. And then Clay Thompson uh, knee is expected to be sidelined for nine to ten months. Pat Bowen had Alzheimer's disease. That's fucking sad. Oh, wow. That yeah. is sad. That is fucking sad. That's why you got to eat fish eggs, bro. Dude, that's the key. The omegas is key. Yeah, so yeah, you could see his fucking his his calf wiggle from Yeah. I can't watch those videos anymore, man. It really freaks me the fuck out. out. Yeah. Watching people like break arms or legs or something in football. There's Ooh. a running back for the 49ers named Raheem Mostert and he broke his arm last year and if when you were watching the game on TV, he screamed so loud, it got picked up on the cameras above Oh. The stadium, so you could hear it during the play. Like while people are grunting and yelling during a play, you can hear him yell on the field because he broke broke his arm just right here, just just straight in half, just snapped it right in half. Oh yeah, fucked it up, dude. Oh, it was horrible. So the Raptors won one fourteen to one ten four to two. That's four games to two games. Toronto won. So there you go. Congrats, fucking Toronto. I like first that time shit. ever, man. Yep. Way to go, Toronto. And another and another first. The St. Louis Blues won the four one. God damn it, they won the Stanley Cup four games to three games four to one in the final game over the Bruins. The Bruins have a couple of different titles over the last couple of years. Yeah, not a couple of years, but over there the time as as a yeah. club. So um, yeah, they're always. I mean, they're always. A good bet when it comes on a team going to the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't the Bruins like. Have been around for. They've been powerful for a while. They're they're like the Patriots, right? Of the hockey man. They're, they're I don't always like, in the contending. I don't like watching people win too consistent, like a dynasty. You know, like I don't like that. It's not. It's fun for me as a fan. To like whatever. Why would right. I watch this? They're gonna fucking win anyway. I like you being good. I like them to be good. I like it to be competitive, but I like it to be competitive. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I don't want it to be a fucking like, oh well, I guess the Pats are just gonna win again. You know, like, that's why the Super Bowl yeah. fucking bummed me out, man. When I watched the Super Bowl this year, like I said, I watched until the clock hit zero and then I changed the channel. Because I was yeah. gonna watch the whole thing, but I was gonna be damned if I was gonna watch Tom Brady hoist another fucking Lombardi over his head. Like I'm not start crying like a little. Mm. I'm not doing it. You know, I so uh-huh. I didn't do it. I changed it immediately to something completely different. Like no. fuck that. So, I think it's might. I don't know about you, but at least for me, when the Hawks went to the Super Bowl and won, and they were playing Denver. Yeah, and it was just an utter fucking just a, shit show. A blowout. It was, it was a terrible yeah. fucking game. I didn't want that. I wanted a good game where we pulled it off in the end. Not. The following Just year, swept. the following year when we played the Pats, yeah, and like that would have been the game to win to beat yeah. the Pats right there on the line. That, that would have been, been the it. game to win, yeah. But and that's the game I remember because though against the Broncos, I was working when I watched it, and so we it was like on a projector up on a wall in the call center, and so oh. we were watching it like while I was working, and then the next year I was working for 
the mattress company. So I had Sundays off. So I was watching it on my living room at home. And I remember watching Russ get that pass off (laughs) and standing up and throwing my arms up and then being like, Oh no. Oh fuck. Just with the rest of the state, you know, and probably half the nation that you're just like, yes. And you're like, Oh my fucking God. Like what just happened? Like, I don't, I don't even understand. Yeah. And then. That was a life altering moment. And then the immediate thought of like, why wouldn't you run the ball? You know, and just years, years and years of trying to cope with like, it's beast mode. On the fucking two. Like, why? Why? Why wouldn't you why? run it? Why wouldn't you run the ball? Yeah. So, it's it's a whole deal. I'm over it now, I think, for the most part, you know? Yeah. But I remember, like, the dude I worked with, Daryl, was, like, a huge fucking Seahawks fan. He actually watched the pre-show today. Nice. So, shout out, Daryl. Um, and, like, we talked about that all day the next day. Mm-hmm. All day we talked about the Super Bowl because we're just like, I don't understand why this would happen, like how this happened. I don't like what, what, what the makes fuck? sense anymore, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fucked up. I remember that. Um, well, I mean, the, have I told you about my Super Bowl experience? No. So the winning Super Bowl, I was stationed in New England at the time. And so thank God this was not a Pat's throwdown. This was Denver and Seattle. Yeah. But, Nobody at the Super Bowl party that I was at gave a shit about any of the teams except really? for me. You're the only one who cared. And so here I am trying to like celebrate this shitty fucking game. And I just, I could not get amped up because nobody give a shit. <laughs> You're the only one who's there who yeah. wants to talk about it. It was so depressing to be around. It was so anticlimactic. It's almost like it didn't even happen. It's really sad. That sucks. <laughs> I was the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl was probably a once in a lifetime event, and to not be able to like truly enjoy that once yeah. in a lifetime event to the climax of what it should have been if I was like here was fucking soul crushing. I definitely understand. What you mean. So rough. Like I said, I was in the call center, so I was yeah. fucking talking to people on the phone, and they're like, you know, just ask them like, hey, you know, how's your day going? And they're like, oh, I'm watching the Super Bowl and blah blah. blah. Like, you know, are you like Denver or Seattle? And like, well, like I'm, you know, I'm in Seattle. So like, I, I'm a Seahawks fan. Like I'm hoping for the Seahawks and talk to a couple of people who are from Colorado who were like, Oh, fuck you. You know, and you're like, uh, <laughs> you're right. Like you're shit faced already and your phone God. is broken. So. That's a call center's <laughs> call yeah. you want to take, yeah. dude. Yeah. The drunk Denver fan. <laughs> had a lot of conversations like that that day. I was like, Oh, we're going to beat your ass. And you're like, I'm sure, dude. Yep, I'm sure. Sure. Like that's, that's how it's looking right now. You know, it? sir, like, since just watch fucking customer. Percy Harvin return that kick, I'm sure you're going to win. That's, <laughs> yeah. Keep telling me about it, dude. <laughs> um, the last thing I have for sports is the Women's World Cup, mm-hmm. right? Because that's going on right now. And the United States played their first round that I'm not sure what. It was Tuesday. Um, and they fucked on Thailand 13 to 1. And That's let's not even fair, dude. Here. No, no. It was absolutely ridiculous. People are um, just built different, bro. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and it was Alex Morgan who scored five fucking goals. Of course which, it was. Which tied the record for a World Cup, uh, you know, for like for the most goals to be scored in a World Cup game, which is like five. That's, I mean, my mom will be upset to hear me soon, but that's a retarded amount of goals. That's it a, is. that's a fuckload of goals in one fucking game. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot, dude. For, for a game, five is a good amount. You know what I'm saying? But for one player, 
that is ridiculous. Five fucking goals. So, well, fucking Italy just smashed on Jamaica five to nothing, too. Jesus. Jeez, man. Yeah. And the next game for the United States is tomorrow, Sunday at nine. They play Chile. Thailand, so, 13 and oh. Yeah. So I'm saying smashed them. 13, 13. to zero. 13. Fuck me running, Fucked on dude. them. Like, I knew that I don't follow soccer. You know what I'm saying? But, like, it, it's it's big, so it comes up. You just so, watch the World Cups like right. most people. So I yeah. knew that – I've known for a couple of years that, like, the women's U.S. soccer team is extraordinary. They yeah, they have fantastic. been for a long time. But Jesus Christ. Third, I mean, the rest of these scores, you know, the the biggest one, like you said, is Italy and Jamaica five to zero, and the rest of yeah. them are two one, one zero, one two. Like that's oh yeah, that's three, a typical two, soccer you know, score. But it's like hockey. Thirteen fucking zero, that's, Jesus, that's just sad. So well, I'm excited to see them play Chile. Yeah, uh, Chile lost to Sweden, to Sweden in that round, yeah. two two to zero. Oh. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting game. Hopefully, I mean. Man, I don't know. Yeah, That's this just, is the the group 13 phase. To zero. It's just. It's almost like you just gotta quit playing at that point because it's you don't want to smash on a team that bad. Well, and soccer's done by points, right? Like you get certain yeah. amount of points for goal wins is goal. and yeah. No, 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 no. I mean like uh like if you win, you get two points. If you tie, you get one point. If you lose, you get no points. At least during the regular season, that's how it's done. Yeah. Right? Because I remember I've been to one soccer game and we went to a Sounders game and it ended in a tie. And I've never been so upset with the ending of a game before because it felt so un-American to me that we were leaving and there was just a tie at the end of the game. You know, that there mm-hmm. was no overtime. There was no anything. It was just a tie. And whoever I was so talking to. So they got to, three points as of right now. like that? Well, as of right now, like their total points in the club yeah. for Group F with Sweden, Chile, and Thailand. Really? Sweden, Chile, and Thailand? That's interesting. That's that's a tough bracket. Yeah, like so, like I know during the regular Sweden season, it's going to be tough. But if you win, you get the two. If you tie, you get one. And yeah. then if you lose, you get no points. And then that's how they decide on playoffs and shit is who has the most points. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. I don't follow it enough to know how the on them, World dude. Cup is because I, I guess I would have assumed that Chile wouldn't play anymore since they lost. But it's a different. Like I so said, this is the group stage. So yeah. if anyone knows, tell me. I yeah, want to know. Tell me how this works. Because I literally just pulled up. What the I shit? googled the FIFA Women's World that's Cup, and I'm just I looking at points here. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I have. Ah, that's crazy. Isn't that fucking wild? So 13. if we're what it's at 9 a.m. tomorrow, so maybe I'll watch a little bit of that game when I get home. I'll be home. Yeah, and then work. Thailand are ch- and Chile are playing. Hey, the following week. Sorry, tomorrow's my first Father's Day. Hey, congratulations, so cool. Big yeah. Daddy. Yeah, we're gonna have like a barbecue at Aaron and Michael's house. It'll be a good time. Hell yeah, I'm excited. Well, you deserve it. Yeah, Jordan got me a present and stuff. I don't know what it is, but we're going to find out since mm-hmm. she made it. So I'm excited. It's like having a second birthday. Yeah, I'm really excited. Except all so. you did was have a little fun and pop out the kit. That's right. That's right. I had <laughs> Jordan did all the heavy too. lifting. Yep, I had the easy job too. All right. Well, that is all that I have for sports this week. Yeah. So that is Line all City, bro. for the show. So we can get the fuck out of here. So let's see here. Dude, look how many windows I got pulled up on my computer right now. I have I have done. three different windows that I'll oh, have perfect. tabs. Yeah. That's what um, I should do next time. Have my topic windows. So this is the last line that I have from It's Always Sunny. So after this, I'll make sure that I have a line from a different show and people can start guessing again because fuck you, Haley. Um, <laughs> so, you know what, man? I, I know how to make it funny. I, oh, 
Oh my god, I just shit my pants. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's just like you. <laughs>